What's going on? This is the Saturday Down South podcast. I am Connor O'Gara. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna break some news today. Oh boy, um, we're gonna get cold takes. I don't know how, but we are going to get cold taked, and, and here is why. We are recording this on February 14th, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Thanks, man. You got any cool plans? Well, they might be a surprise. I don't. I don't know if Laura can hear this. Do you have any cool plans? That doesn't matter. Um, this will already be out by the time uh, that, that Valentine's Day is in the books. Mm-hmm. No, um, no, no major plans because we're doing like a we have like a traditional dinner that we do where we get foot long hot dogs and we throw them on the grill because that's what Valentine's Day means to us now at this stage of our lives. I um, love that. You guys are just a little bit more Midwestern every time I get a fact of it. Get some brats going. Some talk about Ditka. I haven't had brats going in a bit. It's been a minute. Um, no, we'll not be doing brats, but yeah, I did flowers and stuff like that. And Lauren got me Chick-fil-A this morning, waited in line for oh, 45 minutes. So got the heart-shaped Chick-fil-A biscuit, which Aww. Valentine's Day treat. Yeah, it was nice. So uh, no, I had had a nice, nice little morning. But yes, like I said, we're recording this on February 14th. This episode, if you're listening to this, it's February 20th at the earliest. So there is a very, very good chance that we are getting cold taked. And if big things have happened, we will clean it up at some point in the future. And we will talk about it uh, when I come back, because by the time people are listening to this, I will be in Indianapolis. I am representing Indianapolis. We will get to that later on in the Jersey contest, but we have a great, great show coming up. George Somerville is going to join us in a bit. If you are someone that fast forwards through the interview, I, I know interviews aren't for everyone. That's fine. I recommend you don't do it this time. George is just such an incredible, um, he he has such incredible perspective on college football as somebody that is doing what he's doing from the UK. uh, And it was just a blast to be able to have him on and somebody that I want to be able to have on in the future. So um, stick around for that. And like I said, Jersey contest is what we'll close with. But first, Will, I've talked about this enough. Talked about it a lot. Time capsule episode. We're doing it. It's happening. Interestingly enough that I had said that we were going to get cold takes when I'm doing a time capsule episode here. We're going back in time to December 31st, 2019. And I shouldn't say that we are going back in time. Um, you have knowledge of what has happened. I am not aware of the things that have happened in the last four years. This is the date, December 31st, 2019, that I will be speaking from. If you hear me say yesterday, if you hear me say tomorrow, if you hear me say last month, know that I am talking about December 31st, 2019. So everything that I say will be in the present tense. I will speak as someone who only has knowledge of the events that have occurred up to that point, and I speculate on what could happen. You, however, will have the gift of time, and Mm -hmm. you understand what has happened the last four years. So I will ask you questions about these specific people and get clarification because I am very eager to find out what the 2020s are like. Think about this like Austin Powers when he gets out of the, you know, the the, the freezer, he's been frozen for what, like 30 mm-hmm. years and he's asking mm-hmm. all these questions and stuff. Similar to that, except I wasn't frozen and I did not have to go to the bathroom for a very, very long time right after that. Yeah, no, it makes, makes a ton of sense. Yeah, and of course, love that we're doing 2019. I just happened to wear my 2019 LSU championship hat, so I will gladly speak on the next future from there. <laughs> it's one of my specialties, actually. Okay, well, since since you started right there, that that's, that's where we're going to begin this. Three days ago, 
LSU dismantled Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl. It was mm-hmm. a bloodbath. I caught myself at various points of this game, and I'm sure you did as well, saying like, wait a minute, this is, this is a playoff game? This isn't some cupcake non-conference matchup? This is a total beatdown. It felt like LSU faced the JV squad, and that's putting it nicely for Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. LSU clinched a nat- national championship matchup against Trevor Lawrence-led Clemson, which I guess, spoiler alert, with that hat you just told me about, I'm assuming then that LSU is going to win a national championship. Otherwise, you wouldn't have acquired that hat somehow. But Ed Ogeron has quieted all doubt. He's the guy. He Mm -hmm. is the guy. He's going to get an extension. That's obvious. It's just a question about how much he's going to get. It also seems pretty obvious that he's going to be LSU's long-term coach. I mean, that guy lives and breathes Louisiana. If you could draw Louisiana in a human being, it is Ed Ogeron. So he's going to be there for a very long time. Will, person of the future, surely Ed Ogeron, well, I mean, the hat told me he's going to dominate, you know, and he's going to dominate the national championship. He's going to win that. But tell me also that he's going to start dominating Bama on a yearly basis, and he's going to become a better coach at LSU than either Nick Saban or Les Miles ever were. Well, we still have T-Bob Abear. Um, as Captain Louisiana, so Love that's it. good. Um, Coach O is no longer uh, with us, and when I say with us, I mean LSU. He's still he's very much dead? around. No, he's still very much around. He's in fact more God. around than he's ever been. Uh, Coach O's life changed pretty drastically uh, after the championship. He didn't really handle the being the hunted versus the hunter. Uh, his relaxation um, me- method, where you know Les Miles kept everybody tight. Coach O kept them a little bit too loose. They lost a record number of NFL players off of that team, which happened to actually be the adults in the room, along with Dave Miranda. And uh, they're all gone. (laughs) Every one of that coaching staff. But I will say this. The game that you just witnessed, you have just watched two quarterbacks who are going to play in a Super Bowl, believe it or not. (laughs) Now, here's the crazy one. Jalen Hurts will be the replacement for Carson Wentz. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So that means Jalen Hurts is getting... Why would the Eagles draft Jalen Hurts? Well, buddy, it was seen as one of the worst draft picks ever at the time. See, you just saw Justin Jefferson score four touchdowns in that game. Well, the Eagles went into the draft needing a wide receiver more than they needed air. They instead decide, they t- decide to take Jalen Ragor one pick before the guy you just saw catch four touchdowns. Mm. Uh Justin Jefferson, not Jamar Chase, is the better receiver out of that game in the NFL. That's pretty scary. Wow. <laughs> and you just saw the coming out party. Um, but yes, the Eagles went ahead and drafted Jalen Hurts directly after Jalen Rigor. Uh, Eagles fans want to riot and burn down the city. Doesn't take a lot for that, I understand. But it's all good because the rebuilt Eagles, led by Kelsey, made another Super Bowl. As for, uh, <laughs> as for Joe Burrow... He went to his home state, not the Saints, not the Cleveland Browns, but a team he hated growing up, the Cincinnati Bengals, and somehow inexplicably is now in 2024, or 2023 even, their leading uh, playoff winning quarterback. He has more wins than any quarterback in the Bengals history. That that part doesn't really surprise me that much. Mm -hmm. Even the Jefferson thing. I I like Jefferson. You know, I'm... I feel like coming into the draft, I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that rises up boards and 
and is going to have a long, long career in the NFL. So that's not the most stunning thing, as great as Jamar Chase was. But that Odron stuff, I mean, God, like the staff is incredible. That that's that's really hard to fathom. Like I, I go and I look at these coach lists of the top coaches in the sport, and he's like top three, top four. I mean, he he looks like he's. A, I mean, you told me he's about to win a ring. So I don't know. That's 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 pretty wild to me. But like the good news for him is that apparently Joe Brady is staying. Joe Brady said in <sighs> that he's in there for the long haul. As okay, your reaction is is very telling. As we enter the 2020s, Will, I own all the Joe Brady stock. I have it. it it's mine. If you want it, come get it. I'll sell it to you for a billion dollars a share. And even that, you're, you might have to talk me into it and do me a favor. Like, the guy is my age. He just took this LSU offense to historic levels, maybe the best offense in the history of college football, assuming that what you told me is correct, and that's just not some knockoff hat that you're wearing there that you got from China because they yes. didn't win the national championship. Okay, just making sure. You just got to check these things out. I don't know what the future's mm -hmm. like. But three weeks ago, Joe Brady just won the, the Broyles Award. He was the yep. best assistant in college football. He and I get it. Like, look, it's it's very fluid. You know, he's got NFL interest. I, I get that, but you know, he began those conversations with LSU about getting a raise and coming back. And he he's going to get paid. Like, maybe they'll work out a system with he and Steve Ensminger where they're both coordinators. But I know that Joe Brady is about to make well more than four hundred ten thousand dollars, like he made this year. Money well spent, unless someone comes in and hires him to be a head coach, which, I, look, I'm not going to rule out. I don't think he wants to do that yet. He's going to run that LSU offense for another year or two. Then maybe he's going to become a college head coach or an NFL head coach. But I can't imagine any world in which Joe Brady doesn't become an even bigger household name and establishes himself as one of the best offensive minds in the entire sport. I don't really think the question is about if Brady will become – a head coach either in college or the NFL. Those opportunities are, are there. They're sitting there for him. It's just about how long it's going to take and when he's going to do that. Will, person of the future, tell me my Joe Brady stock has grown tenfold and I look really smart. Well, I can't say rule out is something he won't do because he followed Matt Rule out of college football and into the NFL. We learned together that actually the contract he signed does not have a provision about him leaving for the NFL because he was actively interviewing for NFL jobs. So the 2019 LSU staff that you know is Joe Brady, who will be the offensive coordinator for the ill-fated Panthers. Uh, Steven Zminger, who right before this game actually tragically lost his daughter-in-law. He actually retired, stepped away, stepped away from the game. Dave Aranda, the great defensive mind behind all this, well, he got the Baylor job replacing Matt Rule, believe it or not. And so actually, the coordinators you're going to see next year, hold on to your seat for this one, Scott Linehan and Bo Pelini. Okay, uh, look, look. Bo Pelini <laughs> has had good defenses. He had a good defense at LSU. It's what he parlayed into that Nebraska job. Yeah. I mean, look. I'm, Dave Aranda was good. It was good, but like that defense had holes. I there there are areas that that it can improve next year. They got Derek Stingley back. Derek Stingley is like the best player in college football. Oh. There's no way. There's okay. no way that Derek Stingley is going to be put in bad spots. They at least have a lockdown corner, and their passing defense is going to be fine. 
Well, see, there's, um, we could spend a whole bunch of time on this one, but basically there's this virus that's going to become a very big deal in a minute. It's called the coronavirus COVID-19. Hug all, you know, your friends, get all your PTO in right now because the world's about to shut down. And when that happens, it's going to change everything. Uh, guys are going to be able to opt out and prepare for the draft. And Jamar Chase is going to do that from the jump. He will never see him again in LSU uniform. It what? won't matter. Won't matter because he will end up playing with uh, Joe Burrow in a Super Bowl. It's a great uh, buddy cop movie that will continue. For the LSU Tigers, however, bad news bears. Uh, the defense is going to be horrible. They will never base. They will never move out of their base set in a season that everyone's defense is horrible because nobody played a full slate of games and everyone was dealing with just mental health trauma around this they virus. Canceled games. Oh, buddy, did the Big Ten cancel games? And then they realized that the SEC would look tougher than them, and so Ohio State made the national championship with, like, six regular season games. It was a disaster. And here's the funniest part. You see this team that you're watching right now? Bama fans will full-heartedly convince you that Mac Jones is going to lead a better offense next year. And you will have to see that online and think that it's real because they beat Ohio State, who had, like, six wins going into that game. I, I don't. My head is spinning right now. This I thought yep. this would be a fun exercise to be able to dig into the time capsule, and I just I just wanted. To, I, I thought we were just going to talk about LSU coaches for a little bit and talk about Joe Brady. Inevitably, he, like he's at least an OC for a team that's <laughs> gone to a Super Bowl or something, or like, like played in another national championship. Like he's had great moments in the last four years. There's no way that he hasn't been at the forefront of some great offenses, right? Uh, well, the thing about Joe Brady, again, we as LSU fans knew it. Other people did not. He was really not in charge of LSU's offense. That was Coach E. He did some special packages. So he had never installed something like a two-minute drill. And that became apparent when he got to the NFL and did not know how to do that. Uh, just really kind of lied on the interview, as we've all done in our 30s. And uh, yeah, so he pretty much uh, got fired after like a season and a half. And has just been uh, coaching Josh Allen, who is very good now. So it kind of worked out for him, actually. My stock is not doing well. That is, not, <laughs> that is not particularly good news. Okay, how about this, though? Ole Miss did what I didn't think was really possible. Mm -hmm. They hired Lane Kiffin. Been yeah. on the job for a few weeks now. I like the hire. I really do. I, I didn't think that they were going to be able to go out and get somebody like that. But here's what I wonder. Lane, is a, he's a spring fling. He is not a long-term relationship type guy. So it's tough because... For Ole Miss, it, it feels like this is kind of a double-edged sword, right? He's either going to kill it, and then he's going to replace Saban at Bama, or he's going to flame out in horrendous fashion. Ole Miss will wonder why it fired Matt Luke. I don't see any scenario besides those two. So, Will, person of the future, tell me which one of those things Lane did and where he's currently coaching since he inevitably either moved on from Ole Miss or got fired from Ole Miss. Yeah, so uh, believe it or not, uh, he's still at Ole Miss in 2024. Like, not just going to tailgates, like the, the coach. No, fully there. Uh, he actually just led them to their first 11-win season ever. Huh, how about that? Good for Lane. Dang. And he's he's had, I, I would assume he's had other opportunities to leave then, and he just hasn't? Yeah, I think you were pretty right on the money with that. I mean... 
he was practicing a little bit of situationship, a little bit of ethical non-monogamy with Ole Miss. He was kind of going out and interviewing. Uh, but in fact, they, our favorite rule about the four years in uh, Mississippi, it didn't really matter. They just made this collective where they paid him. They backed up a Brinks truck and circumvented the law to keep him in Ole Miss, actually. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll take an L on that one, too. Um, how about this guy? There's there's something that's standing in the way of Lane Kiffin in his own state. And you know where I'm going with this. The guy standing in Lane's way is Joe Moorhead. I mean, let's let's be honest. I know that this year didn't go great. And yesterday, you know, Moorhead lost to up-and-coming Louisville coach Scott Satterfield. But come on. Like, the guy won his first two Egg Bowls, which mm-hmm. no other coach in program history has done. He at least got them to bowl games, but just give Joe a little bit of time to be able to develop a quarterback. Let him get like, you know, the Mississippi state version of trace McSorley. He's going to have them consistently winning eight games every single year. They're going to win the egg bowl a bunch. I know that this year was a little bit weird because John Cohen had the whole like uh, weird fine bomb thing where he wouldn't give Moorhead a vote of confidence in the mm-hmm. middle of year two. But I, here, here's the thing. Even if he enters year three on the hot seat, I'm going to trust Joe to be able to figure it out in Starkville. And he's still there in 2024. Like the MO and lasted forever in Starkville. So will person of the future, tell me that Joe Moorhead is still at Mississippi state and not about to be fired in a few days. Like some have speculated. Well, buddy, get ready for this. Um, are you aware of a player named Willie gay that plays for him? Very talented linebacker. Yeah. Uh, has had some, some issues off the field, but yes, I I've heard of Willie gay. Know him pretty well. Well, in one of his bowl practices, he actually got in a fight and broke Garrett Schrader's face. The quarterback. Yeah. And that was kind of seen as like this moment that showed that Moorhead didn't really have control of the team, didn't really handle it well. And so for those reasons, he no longer has a job because even though he won uh, probably one of the better seasons they've had since then. The season ended so poorly that they just couldn't keep him. Okay, a couple of things. A couple of things. I was told Garrett Schrader had an upper body injury. So it was his upper body for sure. It was his whole face actually. How did he get through the beard to to hit him in the face? He's got NFL strength. You know, he's going to go in the second round in a couple a couple of months. So okay, all right. Um, Good tape for him. Good. To, yeah. Uh, the aggression is certainly there. The mean streak, but like, all right. So he, Joe gets another year or two, right? Like it's, you know, Nope. That was it. That was all she wrote. The way he handled the media culminating in this weird incident. It just didn't work. They wanted someone. Um, well, they wanted someone <laughs> who's better with the media and you're not going to believe this. They actually ended up hiring Mike Leach. The sword, the sword guy, Mike Leach. Yes. Yeah, the pirate. The pirate. Yeah, I mean, Swigger Sword, that's that's the title of his book. Um, Wait a minute. All right, so they get Leach from Washington State yeah. to replace Moorhead. Yeah. So then Leach is Because partly... he was not from the South and couldn't communicate with the media. They hired Mike Leach. Actually. Right, naturally. <laughs> so that, that means that, that Leach is the coach at Mississippi State, and he's like the long-term guy. Oh, buddy. Um, definitely, definitely sit in for this one. He actually passed away tragically. Um, he had a, um, had a heart related issue. Um, it surprised everyone. Uh, it was a day of mourning for college football. Um, our guy, Zach Arnett got the job. He didn't do so hot either, but Mike Leach actually passed away as the head coach of Mississippi state. Goodness gracious. All right. Well, I feel like a jerk for asking that question. So they, 
since Moorhead, they've had. Well, hold on. Now there is a fun, <laughs> there is a fun tidbit. He he set the SEC passing yards record in in week one of twenty twenty. <laughs> oh, so his first game, he did that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And it was just downhill, kind of from that. Well, like, did he have anything other than that? Because you said like he he died while he had the job, so like he didn't get fired and then mm-hmm. die right okay no he was living the dream he was still going back to key west he was more vocal than ever he had some little dust-ups with the media as he does but people had really fallen in love with him wow that's that's shocking mississippi state was model of stability um did not think that that would be heading down that direction okay um all right Deion sanders um look there was this headline a month ago involving prime and I didn't believe it. I still don't believe it as we sit here and breathe on December 31st, 2019. Um, when Willie Taggart was fired at Florida State last month, it came out that Dion was on Florida State's list. Mm-hmm. Like, never mind the fact that the guy had, has never coached at the college level and he's currently a high school OC. Why in the world would Dion be a candidate for a job at Florida State other than the fact that he's Deion Sanders, like he's got about 12 more steps to go to get a power five job, much less a job as good as Florida State. Like what makes us think that Dion can run his own program? Because didn't we all see Prime Prep Academy, that whole thing like that, that kind of fell apart. Like this is the stuff I can't wrap my head around because Florida State, like they end up hiring Mike Norvell. And I, I think that he's going to end up doing like maybe some decent things. I like to mm-hmm. Memphis. I used to talk to my guys on Memphis radio about him. Um, apparently Mark Stoops was a candidate as well. Well, person of the future, mm-hmm. is Deion Sanders even close to becoming a power five coach? Or does that headline look even dumber four years from now? Uh, you're not going to believe this either. Uh, he has the Colorado job. Colorado, like the buffs. Yes. Like the Buffaloes. Yeah. It's the Colorado awesome. Buffaloes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, that's. So did they get him from high school? Like, how, how did that go? Even crazier than that, buddy. He took over Jackson State, which is at HBCU on uh, Mississippi. Okay. He led them to prominence. Uh, they actually got an Amazon show. Uh, believe it or not, they flipped the number one player in the country from FSU to this HBCU that Dion was at. And then he parlayed uh, his son being an amazing quarterback, Travis Hunter playing both ways. That's the player I'm talking about. He uh, just started off the season like three or four and one, and it, it felt like a party. It felt like an awakening for for like part of America, and then it all just fell off. But it, p- people think he's qualified. He's really re- he he has made the curating and the swag of Colorado and the their their potential go through the roof. They are in the Big Twelve though. They're they're in the Big Twelve now. They're back. Yeah, they're 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 traveling along with a couple of other teams. Yeah. Okay. All right, maybe I'll ask about other teams later. Um, mm-hmm. But Dion doing it. wow, power five. You end up getting that. Okay, wow, good for good for him. I'm sure. Just imagine Dion wearing a hoodie and sunglasses with snow falling on him. It looks really sick. A lot of people are, are buying it. Sunglasses? Does he wear the sunglasses at night, even when he doesn't? All have the to? time. He hates the cold. Actually, it's really funny. <laughs> okay. All right. Interesting. Kalen DeBoer. Uh, so Indiana is getting ready to play in the Gator Bowl in a couple days, but. DeBoer is uh, – he's going to be coaching in his last game at Indiana because he's leaving. He's got he got the head job at Fresno State, um, which, look, tough loss for for Indiana and for those of us who have gone there and, you know, experienced Indiana football. We know, like, 
the years like this don't come around very often. It's first eight win season in 26 years. Michael Penix was fun when he was healthy, but I don't know if that guy's ever going to be able to stay in the field and live up to his potential. But yeah. DeBoer, like DeBoer was great. He was he was really good. Sneaky good hire by Fresno State. Um, going back there, a place that he already spent time at before Indiana. Maybe he mm-hmm. becomes one of those guys who's just like, I don't know, the the 2020s version of Chris Peterson at Boise State. Maybe yeah. he can do stuff like that. That could be fun. But I don't know that he's ever going to become a household name. I bet the average college football fan doesn't even know how to pronounce his name. Like, is it DeBoer or is it DeBoer? Like, which which one is it? I, I'll, I'll learn that. I'll, be, I'll become an expert probably on his name if he ever becomes relevant. But, Will, yeah. a little bit of a shot in the dark here, just because I like asking about some of these new hires and how it works out. Will, person of the future, will Kalen DeBoer ever become a relevant college football coach that becomes a household name? Great question, Connor. So you went to Indiana, as many people know. This is, we're looking back five years. If you were to say a top, whatever, uh, Kalen DeBoer is a top, what coach you think in America, like head coach, like we're talking Saban, Kirby Smart, what, what, how would you rank him? So it's interesting because I looked at the list of the best coaches in America going into the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. And the list that I looked at, I think it was either Athlon or, or Sporting News or something like that. Right after he was hired, I don't think he was among the top 120 coaches at the FBS level. And there's like 130 FBS teams, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? I, th- I bet more are going to join in the future. That just seems to be the, the direction people are going. But like not even a top 120 coach. So, look, that's a pretty narrow path to be able to get like any any big time job moving forward, I would think. Yes, um, we're going to do a little reverse compliment sandwich here. So. Actually, Michael Penix, uh, Michael Penix will be healthy for two seasons. Good for him. Um, unfortunately, they will not be at Indiana. They will be for Kalen DeBoer at Washington. Those two seasons will take Kalen DeBoer from perceived as not a top 120 coach to getting the best job in America. And if you had to guess what the best job in America would be, what, what do you think it would be? Did he get the Ohio State job? Oh, man. Um, Believe it or not, Ryan Day is still there and has not won a national championship. That's probably the least shocking thing I can tell you. Okay, I'm I'm actually surprised. I'm I'm thinking Ryan Day is like a top three coach in the sport. So, okay, he didn't get the Ohio State job. So maybe the Georgia job. Like Georgia fans got frustrated with Kirby. No, Kirby is very much still there. They love him there. Okay. Well, I want to ask you more about Kirby later. Um, Yeah. Not Ohio State, not Georgia. Did he get the Texas job? No, 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 no. I'll give you about one more guy. Really think about when you think about college football, who do you think about? I mean, I think about Forrest Gump running through just a bunch of defenders. and. Well, that is the level of recruit that he will be getting at Alabama. So I think you pretty much nailed that. He is the head coach at Alabama. Uh, he just took over for Nick Saban who retired, uh, pretty surprisingly, this offseason. Uh, credit to him. He silenced all the haters. Uh, he didn't win a national championship, but one of his kind of uh, least talented teams, most adversity, he whooped LSU and Auburn and Tennessee, which as Bama fans, that's pretty much all you're looking for at the save his last hurrah. Okay, so let's let, let's dig into it then, because we got to ask, I, I got to ask about what, what happens with, with Saban. Uh, of course, that was going to come up because tomorrow mm-hmm. I'm going to go watch him and Jim Har- Harbaugh battle it out in Orlando in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, it's a shame that those guys aren't playing in a more important game. I doubt that'll ever happen. But yes. I, I don't really know how much Saban has left in him. You know, I look at this roster 
And I'm like, he's losing. He's probably going to lose Tua. Tua's probably going to declare for the draft. It's going to be Mac Jones' team. There are rumors swirling that Talia is going to transfer as well. And it's kind of a package deal with Tua. And they didn't really ever want to stay there anyways. Like LSU is just this absolute machine. Ohio State's not going anywhere. Clemson's not going anywhere. I know that Chris Lowe keeps coming out with these stories about Saban sticking around. He's not going anywhere. He feels stronger than ever, blah, blah, blah. Maybe Bama can still be considered, you know, just the team of the decade. And this is the time to be able to do it. Like he'd be tied with Bear for six rings. And that's still unbelievable. But maybe now is the time for Saban to just kind of say like, all right, you know what? Or maybe it's next year because you tell me that he's he's got a little bit more time. He doesn't hang it up right after 2019. But, Will, person of the future, what is Nick Saban's future? When does he retire? And when does Kalen DeBoer take over? Does like he ever win another SEC championship or another national championship? <laughs> so the uh, rumors of Saban's demise are definitely overstated. Uh, the rest of the college football world had to wrestle it from his hands as he retired. He only won one more title in that shortened 2020 season, and we will debate the merits of that forever. Uh, but the big rivalry that he will find himself in is with him and Kirby Smart. And he will actually win more games than Kirby Smart head-to-head from this point forward. However, Kirby Smart will win more national championships and will beat Nick Saban for a national championship, which is quarterbacked by Stetson. Wait a minute. Hold on. I need to ask more questions. I, of course. This this is information overload. Of course. I can't, I can't process everything that you're, that you're telling me right now. So, okay. So, you, you told me about Kirby. And that's that's part of the, the Saban question. Yeah. But I, I just, like, you're telling me that he wins national championships. But I'm, I'm sitting here looking at a guy that is just Mark Rick 2.0 because look at the first four seasons, man. Like Kirby got him to a national championship, which was great. Second and 26 happened, but their, their, their records in the first four years, Kirby's 43 and 10 heading into the bowl game against Baylor tomorrow night. And Rick is 42 and, and 10. So like they're, they're the same coach as, as far as I'm concerned. And don't tell me like, Oh, Kirby's starting the number one class. And that's going to be the difference. That's what's going to put George over the top. Like, it's Georgia. You're you're telling me that this is this is the most unbelievable thing that you've told me so far is that Georgia's going to win a national championship because Georgia blows it. Georgia Georgia's the team that is never going to end the 1980 jokes. They're always going to find a way to do something stupid to get in the way of winning a national championship. They're never. It's the same song, new verse. It's just never going to end. The drought is always going to be there. I feel very. I I, I mean, I still find it very hard to believe. That you telling me that Georgia has won a national championship, like so? Will person of the future? How does Georgia win this national championship? When does that happen? Yes. So I do want to go back to something that you previously addressed, which was Saban and Jim Harbaugh. Um, so Jim Harbaugh is actually in, uh, as we sit here on the 14th Valentine's Day of 2024. He is the reigning national champion. He actually beat Nick Saban on the way to get there. How about um, that? Huh. Yes, that will actually be the second longest official drought, right? Uh, Because actually Kirby Smart will break the curse, beat the 1980 jokes. He will beat Nick Saban in a national championship um, just as Harbaugh beat him in a a semifinal. Uh, But like I said, I, 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 so, so they had a great class come through, developed guys really well. First off, Kirby fully embraced the forward pass 
hired this guy named Todd Munkin, who is very, very smart. He's okay. not going to lose a lot of games there at Georgia. And their offense became among the most innovative in college football. They, on the backs of a, a ridiculous defense and ridiculous talent, Stetson Bennett was carving those boys up for back-to-back national titles. You keep bringing that name up, Stetson Bennett. Like, that's it's familiar, but I'm like, he... Is he the guy? He used to have like a number in the twenty. Was he? The, you know what? Here's here's where I know that name from. Stetson Bennett is the guy that was the scout team quarterback going mm-hmm. into the Rose Bowl, and he simulated Baker Mayfield. And so everybody's yep. like, "Oh, Stetson Bennett's great." Okay, so you're telling me that Stetson Bennett is going to win a national championship? He is going to replace Jake Fromm and win a national championship at Georgia? Um, yes, in a way, Jake Fromm's situation is a little bit different, but the deal is, you know, the knock against Kirby is that he can't manage uh, highly rated recruits. And the really fun thing for Georgia fans is that it ends up not really mattering. He ends up actually just kind of continuing to go with the less talented guy, but he finds a dog who has that bulldog in him. He finds a guy who has that bulldog in him. He truly is just, uh, you know, six feet of kick ass and that's it. He really just puts his team on his back. He actually has... Uh, as good stats in the postseason as Joe Burrow on more games. Uh, he, in the biggest moments of his career, has beaten Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan before they won theirs. Uh, he's really just personified the resurgence of Georgia football. Wait a minute. How many games, how many postseason games did Stetson Bennett win? Oh, I mean, a ton. Um, let's do a little quick math here. So he won an SEC championship in two. So that was three in one season. Actually lost the SEC championship the first season and then won the two playoff games, one against Bama. So five. He actually played five and one. Uh, he, yeah, he was five and one. So wait, he repeated? Yes, they won back to back, believe it or not. And Stetson got better and was the reason they won the second one. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Um. All right. So I guess... Not having Justin Fields worked out just fine for Georgia? Yeah, um, I got good and bad news on Justin Fields, buddy. He's on the Bears. My team. All right, let's go. Yeah. I do. I, I just watched <laughs> that guy tore up, tore up Clemson for the majority. Okay, maybe it tore up's a little bit strong. He tore up college football for the majority yeah. of the year. He's going to be all over these mock drafts. Like they took him one overall then, and he's like the guy, right? Yeah, they actually made a really smart draft choice uh, and then right, went right back to kind of being the Bears. They got him just outside of the top 10. He's been super fun when he's played, but they can't figure him out, so they're probably going to move on from him. You could probably believe that, right? <laughs> <sighs> Nothing has depressed me more than the words you just said. Yeah. Will, person of the future. I don't like But it. Stetson Bennett did have a you know happy ending to his college career. He was able to overcome all these guys, these transfers, these five stars that came in, and he was able to lead Georgia to the promised land. And you know, Georgia fans can now honestly say, no matter what happens from here, they got to see a back to back, which is a very rare feat. Sounds like a Disney movie. Think they'll yeah. make a Disney movie about Stetson Bennett's life? Um, yes, they may omit the part where he was just hammered on Good Morning America, but he was more of like a good vibes guy. He was for the boys. That was the best part is the way they won. They really just beat the snot out of people and their big guys were super fun. They had all these chonky Kings. They had Darnell Washington. who was a tight end. That was the size of a light pole. It was really fun football to watch, even when they were smashing, um, one, a, a specific team in the SC championship game that I'm sure we'll get to Okay. I'm going to text all my Georgia fans. Guess what Will Person in the Future just told me? Uh, national mm-hmm. championships in your future. All right. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's good to know. 
Um, so er, I said earlier that Joe Brady was the stock that I owned the most of. I'm starting to wonder if I maybe I, I need to start selling some Lincoln Riley stock. Uh, look, I bought a lot. I, I bought a yeah. lot. I, I bought so much at halftime of the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago. And look, it was for the most part, a pretty good investment. I mean, it's the third consecutive year that I watched this team get to the playoff. But the problem is that they just can't stop losing to SEC teams when they get there. And as consistent as Oklahoma's been, I just don't know that like, Lincoln's ever going to get over the hump. The good news, though, is that he's at Oklahoma. You know, unless those wild mm -hmm. rumors are true that he's like going to the Cowboys or something, like he's going to be in Norman for a long time. He's going to get a ton of cracks at this. Maybe it'll just take one. Who knows? This Spencer Rattler cat, I don't know if you've seen him. I used to play in a little bit in relief, but they really, really like him. Maybe he's going to be even better than Jalen Hurts, better than Baker, better than Kyler. I don't know. Like, Will, person of the future, has Lincoln Riley won the big one yet by 2024? Or is it still just like, oh, he beats no. Texas and wins a Big 12 championship every year? No, 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 no. He actually left. Um, Again, strap in for this one. Uh, he left Oklahoma kind of in, in the dead of the night, frustrated, and it was widely speculated that he did not want to play in the SEC is why he did. He wait a minute. Oklahoma. Wait a minute. Okay. That's Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma because he didn't want to face SEC teams in the playoffs. So it goes to the NFL. Uh, no, he actually went to USC thinking he South would Carolina. play. Uh, no, Southern California. Oh, that one. Um, Southern California, who he thought he would be avoiding hard competition by going out west and playing in the Pac-12, getting a nice house. Um, shortly after, however, they have joined the Big Ten. So he has signed up for flying to Iowa from Southern California. Still has not won the big one. Uh, got smacked by DeBoer last year, <laughs> who was at Washington. Utah is better than them. Uh, pretty what? much everyone's already sick of them there, and he is a man with no country. USC is in the Big Ten? Yeah, that one doesn't make a lot of sense. Don't think too hard about that one because you're just going to put your brain in a pretzel. It's really, don't worry about it. Okay, so wait. So USC is in the Big Ten? Yeah, and Oregon. Yeah. And Oregon. And Washington. Yeah, and did they just, Wait a bit. Did, did like the West Coast just go into the Big Ten? Well, see, they thought they were a little bit smarter than everyone, and they thought they could get SEC-style money from ESPN. But by the time it was time to hand out their deal, they kept holding out, and all the money was given away. So Pac-12 doesn't exist anymore. In, like, random non-revenue sports. But, like, it still exists in football, right? No, it's gone. There is only two teams left, and they now control all the resources, and those teams are, like, in the Mountain West, I think. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's this all cooked. All the rivalries are gone. There's a shot of uh, their mascots hugging. Uh, the Pac-12 championship game, they're all, all the rivalries are dead. They're gone. That depresses me even more than the Justin Fields news. That's terrible. Yeah. Money, man. Golly. This is this has been kind of a downer so far. But wait a minute. So that means Oklahoma is coming to the SEC. Oh, yeah. That's that's cool. So the SEC is expanding, too. Like, who, did, did the SEC get anybody else? Because they can't just have 15 teams. Um. Yeah, they actually got Oklahoma and Texas, man. Wow. How about yeah. that? Okay. So and believe different. it or not, the more attractive property, this will blow your mind, is actually Texas for the first time in the last 20 years because they made a playoff game last year. And um, Oklahoma still kind of hasn't figured it out, to be honest with you. That's that's good for the Longhorn Network, though, for the future of that, right? 
Uh, well, the Longhorn Network is kind of why we're here. Uh, everyone's still kind of bullying them over that, but they actually have found a way to get out of their own way and be good. Oklahoma, however, had replaced Lincoln Riley with uh, Brett Venables, who or Brent Venables, who everyone was super happy about. He obviously is, you know, an alum. All this stuff was so great. Um, but he's kind of been like mid plus there. It was probably a step down okay. from Stoops to Riley, and then another one to Venables statistically so far. Uh, one last thing on that. So, sorry, I'm I was coming up with all these questions. Is sure. is uh, is Texas still crying about horns down? Yes, they're still they're better than ever, but still upset about that. Actually, uh, UCF right. beat them the other day and was doing it, and their coach almost cried on national television in basketball. They can't even take it in basketball. No, against UCF. God, get out of here. Okay, Jimbo Fisher. I've been dying to ask you about him because, yeah. look, it's Jerry's still a little bit out on whether or not he's going to get a and to an SEC title, national title, all those things. Yeah. I've been pretty encouraged so far by what I've seen from Kellen Mond. I think he's improved. I definitely think he's improved under Jimbo. I'm pretty high on the roster that they have coming back in 2020. But two years into this thing, it's it's hard to say whether or not the 10-year, $75 million contract looks dumb. I don't really know, but maybe that's a good thing. Like, it's a 10-year contract. Jimbo is going to get time. I mean, the guy got a future national championship plaque before he ever coached a game. Yeah. If I know nothing, it's that they are going to give him plenty of time. And the good thing about that contract, and like Scott Woodward, yeah, he might have raised some eyebrows when he did it, but the good news is like, you don't have to give that guy an extension or anything. He's got 10 years on the deal. That should speak for itself. I'm interested in what it looks like when he gets one of his own quarterbacks in there because Kellen Mond is, is good. It's is fine, but it's probably only a matter of time before Jimbo brings in like his version uh, at AM of what Jameis Winston was. Like that, that's going to happen. And soon AM is just going to become this quarterback factory. I, w- I would think that even if they're not winning national championships, they're at least doing that. So, Will, person of the future, is Jimbo Fisher knocking on the door of a title at AM and making good on that $75 million contract? Um, no, he has not won. He's not appeared in the SC championship game. Uh, actually, believe it or not, his career has pretty closely mirrored Kevin Sumlin's, except he did not win as much early. Uh, you're actually watching the golden era begin of Jimbo Fisher football with Kellen Mond. It actually falls off pretty badly when Kellen Mond leaves. Huh? Okay, so the golden era, but it, but it's the contract like that. That contract is fully guaranteed. They're yeah, people are gonna in, right? assume that that's some kind of a money laundering scheme. He pretty much is kept there as like a lame duck, quiet quitting guy for about two or three years. Um, he tried to hire Bobby Petrino to save his job actually, and it didn't work. Uh, so now he's just hanging out. He's just kind of him and Coach O are just hitting the, the golf course together. Wait a minute. So I'm doing some quick math. That means, okay, this he should be going into year seven, right? And he would still... He's gone, though. He's fired. Yeah, he actually... It's been... The writing has been on the wall for about three or four years. He's... Yeah. How much... he? he I mean, he, surely he got a ton of money. The, the initial contract, like $75 million. Even if he just didn't fulfill that, I'm doing some quick math. That's like... Seven. Yeah, you need to get your email to the University of Indiana ready because the math skills they taught you over there are going to prepare you a lot for the Jimbo Fisher situation in the coming years. You're going to be doing a lot of math. The GDP of a small country is going to be hanging in the balance of this buyout. Well, I am doing the. I, I just did the math in my head. If he's got 
four years left on that contract and he's got seven yeah. and a half million dollars each, then that means he got a $30 million buyout. Well, uh, they extended him and he ended up again. I believe the number was 86 or something like that. It was a number that really just made all of us shake. It was so bad. 86, 86 million. Yeah, it was. I mean, again, GDP's like the stock market changed when that check was cut. It was terrible for, I mean, every, it was terrible for AM and great for everyone else. So we're just playing with Monopoly money by the year 2024. Money just doesn't matter, is what you're telling me. Uh, yeah, but I mean, pretty much. There's a pretty big gap between the haves and the have nots. Feels like the haves always have a chance um, to do something like that and just recover. I mean, they have okay. more money than they know what to do with over there, so they can just get, get whoever. All right. Good to know. Okay, so even though I feel like Ohio State got screwed in the playoff game, I think Ohio State should be playing LSU International Championship. How about Dabo? Let's let's give some respect to Dabo. He just reached a title game for the fourth time. You're, you're laughing. That's not good. Yeah, let's not, actually. That's going to be a culture we do not respect Dabo anymore, believe it or not. We don't respect him at all. No, I mean, pretty much not. Like It got so bad this year that this guy named Tyler from Spartanburg called in his coach's show and called him a fraud uh, because he's not winning anymore. I'm I'm confused. Okay, so <laughs> Clemson has been to a national championship for the last five years. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence is coming back for another year. Yeah. So, like, I assume that they'll be in position to do that again. Like, you already told me the thing about LSU, so I know that Clemson's not about to repeat uh, yeah. when, when those teams play. But, like, still, just set it and forget it with Clemson getting – at least getting to the playoff moving forward – Dabo will adapt. He's got DJ Uyunglele coming in too. That's not really yeah. what I'm curious about. Like the thing with Dabo that everybody wants to know is like, he, is he going to replace Saban? But you told me that Kalen DeBoer replaced Saban and not Dabo. Like, so what's what is Dabo in 2024? Uh, he's a depreciating asset. Uh, they're not really sure what to do with him. They can't. They can't really fire him or get rid of him because he's such a great recruiter and he's built the program from the ground up. And we we still respect what he's done, but they're kind of stuck in no man's land because he's still pretty young. Um, actually, the last you can make the case that really the last big game that he won uh, is going to be in the following season. It's going to be in that COVID season. He's actually going to beat uh, Brian Kelly. Uh, in the ACC championship game. Don't put too much stake in that. None of this matters. But he beats Brian Kelly. Uh, those two coaches then go in completely opposite directions. Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame, takes the LSU job after what? Coach O. Yes. Um, didn't even get to that on the Coach O segment. Didn't know if he was coming up later. Brian Kelly is now at LSU, and he adapted, right? He said that, well, I need to get more resources, more money, more crews. Uh, Jimbo has not embraced any of the new ways or technology of college football and has just rapidly been decreasing uh, since then. So so this last 2023 season, he had a little bit of a come up, but for him, that was like an eight, nine win season. That feels kind of like their ceiling in an, in an ACC that has teams up and coming right now. I think I, you, you said Jimbo, but I think you meant Dabo. Dabo, the other yeah. O. Yes, yeah, he's still o. employed, though. Dabo, Dabo is still employed. Okay, good for good for Dabo, I guess, but that's that's just... Weird. I, I assumed he was going to keep at least getting to national championships. You telling me that he's just not even going to win another ring is I, that's kind of baffling. Yeah, every mistake he's made, he's almost indignantly doubled down on to the point where one or two small mistakes really weren't that big of a deal. But now he just keeps going in the, this same direction. Losing Venables to Oklahoma was a really big deal to him. So he just doesn't have the talent advantage to run this kind of superstar quarterback antiquated offense also young is just really not that good so he's not as good um, as trevor lawrence to elevate that offense okay tell me this though mm -hmm. Dabo has said if 
college athletics ever becomes professional and if these kids ever get paid that he's going to leave so if Dabo hasn't left then that means college athletics are not pro and they can't make money yet I'm laughing because actually plenty of coaches have done that Dabo is not among them um plenty of coaches players are getting paid there's you know the transfer portal that got uh uh Joe Burrow to LSU and, you know, so Masoli, some of the classics, right? Well, now anyone can just transfer like free agency. It's kind of like soccer in a way. Um, but payers are, players are getting paid above and below the table and being promised things. And so several coaches are starting to go to the NFL. To come, uh, head coaches are starting to become NFL coordinators because they're saying we don't want to deal with the financial part of this. Dabo is just refusing to acknowledge it uh, because he has so much cachet built up. He can just kind of sit there and blame uh, the media and modern uh, newfangled things for him losing. But he is no danger of leaving because, number one, no college team that has lots of power wants him because he's so stuck in his ways. And NFL coaches, the amount of weird stuff he said to, like, school kids in terms of, like, being kind of authoritarian, adults are going to immediately reject him. So he's they're both kind of in a shotgun marriage right now. It's wild. <laughs> Strange. Wow. College football yeah. sounds – the money is flowing more than yeah. ever, it sounds like, in 2024. Yeah. And oh, by the way, Miami still, still terrible. They have more money than God and they can't buy wins. Okay. That, so that, that makes sense, right? That didn't really surprise me very much, yeah. but I needed you to clarify that. That is important. Mm -hmm. Okay. This, this is a little bit of a shot in the dark, but I'm super intrigued by this recruit in 2020 in this class. He's the highest rated tight end recruit ever. He already looks like an NFL player. He's, at, he's going to LSU actually. So I'm sure you, you know, you'll tell me about how great of a player this guy ended up being, but Eric Gilbert. It's actually Eric Gilbert, but he likes pronouncing it Eric Gilbert. His mom like named him Eric Gilbert, but yeah, it yeah. is Eric. I'm doing the math here. So he's, I'm guessing by now, he, so he would have been drafted in 2023. Nope. He's, no. Okay. Um, stayed in school another year. He's getting ready for the draft. He did the four-year deal. I'll just go ahead and tell you because it's a fun little tale, a fun little jaunt. Uh, so he had one of the best tight end freshman seasons ever, uh, you know, okay. in, at LSU in the SEC. Uh, he was actually LSU's like leading receiver, um, especially in the games he played. He was a physical freak. He looked like a Greek god. He looked like he was kind of like Leonard Fournette, but a tight end for a season. He actually played way fewer games than LSU Leonard Fournette, believe it or not, not because he opted out. Uh, it's, I'm still waiting on the book to come out. It's still a little bit murky exactly what happened with him at LSU. Uh, some things about being far away from his home in Georgia, mental health issues, don't really want to speculate that. But the objective parts of it are pretty wild. So he left LSU, hit this transfer portal we're talking about. He went to Florida. What's the transfer never portal? Oh, man. So, yeah. I mean, oh, wait, it's, no, it's, I think I've heard of that. I think I've yeah, heard of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, like yeah. I said, Burrow and Masoli. It's like it used to be grad transfers. You had to get a waiver. Well, now it, you can just go anywhere you want. It's like soccer. You, it's an open window that you can just appear and disappear. Um, but so he jumped through the portal, went to go join Dan Mullen uh, at Florida. That was probably Dan Mullen's biggest talent recruit ever. He ended up not playing a game for them um, because Mullen was subsequently uh, fired. That's not really going to shock you a ton. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. He didn't play a game because Mullen... Mullen's fired. What do you mean? So yeah, he just it was a weird. It was like a last ditch attempt to to sell the Florida ownership, but that they broke up before even getting together. Then to really spite everyone involved, he went to Georgia. He actually was the third most effective and arguably fourth most effective tight end in that tight end room. Um, not to get into that, but they had the best tight end room of all time. He didn't even really contribute. Uh, then he transferred again. Uh, because every time there's been kind of an expectation of consistency on him, uh, it just hasn't worked out for him. So he actually, believe it or not, went to Nebraska. 
Uh, at this point, this isn't exactly super shocking to you. Scott Frost also fired. Uh, lost more close. Ask you about him. Yeah, yes. we'll 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 get to him. But lost more close games than we thought was possible. But he was there, and he got arrested for like robbing a vape shop, like a smoke shop. So oh we're just God. not really sure where he is right now. Um, he still has the body of a Greek god, but we think he's kind of just gone a little bit. We're not really sure what's happened to him, honestly. Okay, that sucks. Um. All right, uh, let's let, let me ask you about Scott Frost then. Okay. Um, goodness, this is just bummer city over here. Uh, so I, I know Nebraska didn't exactly live up to the preseason expectation that Frost would win the Big Ten West in year two, um, which was dumb then and now as I sit here on December 31st, 2019. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know Nebraska didn't make it to a bowl game or whatever, but like that wasn't really his fault. They lost four games by one score. Yeah. Like, that's whatever. Uh, water's going to find its level at some point. Frost is still the guy, I, I'm assuming. That's why he got an extension a month ago. Surely by now, in 2024, the Huskers are beating top 25 teams. They're regularly beating Iowa. They're getting to Indianapolis. They're playing in bowl games that matter. Frost will be considered like a top five coach in the sport. So, Will, person of the future, tell me that Frost is the second coming of Tom Osborne in Nebraska is on its way to another dynasty. Connor, I'm here to tell you that Scott Frost might be the fourth best coach associated with UCF. Um, he, man, uh, his fall off has been massive. He kind of couldn't live, live up to the expectations. Uh, you know, big fish, small pond at UCF. Um, you know, his the the guy that came after him, Josh Heupel, is actually Tennessee and doing way better than him. Um, Levy, who is his offensive coordinator under Heupel, was was already in the building. He's an SEC head coach. However, Scott Frost is just kind of chilling out there. He might be an analyst for the Bears. I'm not really sure. He kept getting chances to like turn it around, but he just kept losing all these close games in the funniest ways ever. Like you would you would just turn on the Big Ten and he would just be finding a way to lose to Iowa or Northwestern. He actually like lost a game in double. It, it he found ways to lose games that were really impressive. So he actually might have been the third or fourth best coach like kind of around UCF at that point in time. And losing him really didn't super matter. Hmm. Wow. I mean the season he had at UCF was was great. And there was, yeah. you know, a hope that even two years in at Nebraska that He's he's going to have some great moments, but gosh, it fell off the the face of the earth. But like they they at least peaked with, I don't know, an Outback Bowl or or something like that. No, I really can't even imagine them like a bowl game they played. I think they stayed around five six wins every year. It was a disaster from start to finish. There was really not a moment where Scott Frost was felt like he was the answer other than just hopium. Well, wait a minute, Nebraska. Surely. Just just name a bowl game that Nebraska has played in since 2016. Like, there's got to be one, right? Uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking at it right now, man. And uh, the most games they won was five. It actually was pretty generous. He stayed there one, two, three, four, five seasons. He never uh, made a bowl game? Didn't get above five wins. Mm-mm. Good Lord. That's got to be one of the worst hires ever. Jeez. Yeah, wow. that, uh, genuinely, it was. Wow. Okay. Um. How about this one? This is, uh, I, I think this guy is is destined for greatness. Like he is coach on the rise. I, I don't want to say that I have all the shares in him because I can't have all the shares of everybody. I've already talked a lot about having many shares. Um, but Matt Campbell, I'm going to call my shot and say that by now, by 2024, mm-hmm. 
he is there's just no way he's at Iowa State. There's no way because look, he's either coaching at a big time Big Ten program, like I don't know, Wisconsin or Michigan or Ohio State, like one of these jobs it belongs to Matt Campbell, or maybe he's gonna be poached by an NFL organization. He's going to get poached at some point. And maybe it's after 2020. Maybe he wants to stick around. I like he signed the extension. He's going to stick around for 2020. This Brock Purdy kid that he's got coming back is pretty good so far. But there's just no way that Matt Campbell is staying in Ames, Iowa for eight years. So, Will, person of the future, tell me that I at least got one thing right in this entire thing today and that Matt Campbell has moved on to bigger and better things. Well, Connor, um, if Jimbo Fisher, you know, we've talked about he struggled today in him, and the knock on him would be that he was kind of a Jameis Winston merchant, right? Like outside of Jameis Winston, that would kind of be the take on him. The craziest thing I'm about to tell you today is that it would appear that Matt Campbell was a little bit of a Brock Purdy merchant. Oh, Brock Purdy merchant. Um, uh, Brock Purdy end up like setting a bunch of college records and – and being like a Colt Brennan type guy? Uh, Brock Purdy actually just started in the Super Bowl. <laughs> the NFL? Yeah, the, the one, the Super Bowl. He, he played against Pat Mahomes and almost beat him. Wow. Um, yeah. Was, like, did, was he like the fourth string guy and like somebody got hurt and he's playing in this game? No, he started the season as the starter. I mean, he obviously, you know, he wasn't a huge draft pick or anything, but it's looking like what success Matt Campbell had was kind of around Brock Purdy in this weird COVID season, right? Brock Purdy got to the NFL. He's gotten a little bit better every year, kind of like Jalen Hurts has. And Matt Campbell has gotten worse every year. Uh, He has a four-win season in there, and that pretty much cooled off all the expectations. And probably that one thing I can tell you about the season last year is that he almost got in a fight with a fan. Is his name still coming up, though? And like, No. No, he's kind of stuck there, too. It's one of those things where he kept waiting out for the best job, and the door just closed on him. And now, again, he's just kind of there. Kind of chilling in Ames, as one does. Yes. Okay. One last one. One last one. This is my only question for, for, for this one. And it's worth asking because as of right now, December 31st. Actually, at eight seasons, Matt Campbell is sneaky getting up into the most longest tenured coaches in college football. Right is he now. really? Yeah, actually. Wow. He's, he's got he's to gotta be getting up on like their all-time wins list. I think he should just retire there at this point. And who said Iowa State wasn't a destination job? Matt Campbell. Yep. Proving us mm-hmm. wrong. Okay, so... Tennessee is riding a five-game winning streak right now, heading into this bowl game against Indiana. And it looks like things are heading in the right direction. Like I, I know that Jeremy Pruitt wasn't the first choice there. But, I mean, to think about where they were and what they're doing right now post-year two, it feels like they've got some momentum. Uh, Will, person of the future, does Jeremy Pruitt ever make it feel like 98? He sure doesn't, Connor. Uh, he sure doesn't, man. Um, I got a little bit ahead of myself earlier talking about UCF, but I think I'm going to do it again. So uh, they ended up hiring UCF's athletic director, the one that put them on the map. And the first move that he made was to replace Jeremy. Okay, so Jeremy Pruitt was forced out of town by a little bit of a made-up scandal so that Tennessee wouldn't have to pay his buyout. That's, and what was, uh, that's Tennessee, if I know Tennessee. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Hand up, that one makes a lot of sense. So basically, they hit him with a show show cause saying that he was giving recruits money in McDonald's bags. Um, The ironic thing about this is this literal thing would become legal like 
a year later. <laughs> um, so it, they really just ended up getting out of the buyout. So they hired this guy, uh, uh, White, the athletic director. He brings in Josh Heupel from UCF. Oh, yeah. I like um, what now, so far. Yeah. Heupel's, yeah. And immediately, uh, the Tennessee fans are going to feel like, oh, this is a small-time hire. This guy's just hiring his buddies, right? But actually, Josh Heupel uh, would be the coach to beat Alabama. He would be the only coach. He would beat Nick Saban one time, and that would be their one win against Nick Saban. How about that? Okay, so who who is the quarterback of that, of that Tennessee team? Because I'm trying to think of, like, God, Jared Garantano, by then, he probably ran out of eligibility, I would assume, at that point. But, like, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, so then it was, gosh. Well, it could have been Michael Penix, but they actually ended up with a guy who may have worked better for them in Hendon Hooker. The Virginia Tech guy? Yes, the Virginia Tech guy. Huh. He, They were able to put together an amazing cast of characters out there at Tennessee. They had a really good offensive line. They had three great receivers. Uh, they actually had the best Tennessee team they've had probably since the late 90s or at least early 2000s. Um, they did end up puking on their shoes at the end there, but they were ranked like they were ranked really, really high. Wow. So that uh, that feels like... like They're actually ranked number one, believe it or not. They're ranked, Tennessee was ranked number one in a season? Yeah, for, for about like a week, yeah. But okay. I, they they got there. I mean, that, that's progress, actually. Tennessee fans are way happier today than they are actually in your time. Okay, so they, the Pruitt era fizzled out and they've already rebuilt things since then? Yeah, yeah, more or less. They actually just had a really promising season. All right. About a second, a second one. It wasn't like a flash in the pan. Interesting. Anything else I should know about about the future as a whole that we didn't cover? I feel like there's a million things. We could spend like three more hours doing this because I'm, I'm very curious about this whole money thing that you're talking about, like where guys can just get paid in McDonald's bags and it's perfectly fine. Yeah, well, I will say this. Uh, I hate to once again talk about UCF, but you'll never guess who's there. At UCF. Hmm. So Josh Hypo leaves. Uh they hire the athletic director from Arkansas State. Okay. Let me, I, um, I can figure this out. I can figure this okay. out. Okay. It's Chiswick. Loves Orlando. Almost. It's not Butch Jones either. It's not Butch Jones. Okay. Um, gosh, this is really difficult. I was going to go through like the Scott Frost coaching tree, and then I realized there really isn't one at this point. Um, I was going to go with – no, that doesn't make any sense either. No, I'm I'm drawing a blank. Who is it? It's Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn's been at UCF building the program down there in the Big 12 Conference. Wait a minute. Okay. A lot of, lot of questions about what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Gus gets fired at Auburn, finally? Yeah, it's just kind of one of those where they get sick of each other. He actually, I mean, the best years of Auburn uh, since then have all been Gus pretty much. Uh, but the administration just got tired of him. They they did a little bit of a Tennessee, and they just kicked him out of there. So now he's at UCF, just living life, wearing Hawaiian shirts, um, just living the dream. Did he get a buyout? Because that contract was insane. Yeah, it turns out they ended up paying a ton of money. So UCF got him for super cheap. It was actually a really smart bargain bin deal by them. Wow, interesting. Okay, Gus is in Orlando, uh, in my neck of the woods. That's wild um golly i i feel like i want to go through season by season and break these things down but I, I think you just gave me everything that i possibly need to know this was fun i will fun. do one for you i will do one for you real quick because i think this is uh, actually pretty interesting so who's the reigning heisman winner that where you're at joe burrow joe right? burrow joe burrow yeah so 
Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just give you the Heisman winners from there, and you can just Ooh. react to how you would have thought. Okay. okay. So, um, believe it or not, uh, you know this guy. Uh, 2020 Heisman winner is going to be on Alabama. It's not going to be Mac Jones. Uh, Devontae Smith. The, a receiver won the Heisman. Yep, for the first okay. time since like the 80s. Yeah. Okay. All right, good. Desmond Howard doesn't get to flex as much. I like that. Yes, yes. And 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 a pure wide receiver too, not, you know, defense return man, like a pure wide receiver. So he won that in kind of that weird year. Uh Bama would have their first uh quarterback win a Heisman after that in Bryce Young. Okay. He actually would not really play in like he would not win a national championship as a starter though. Uh despite, oh, but he won, uh, but he won the Heisman. Yeah, he won the Heisman. Is arguably their best quarterback ever. He went number one in the draft and uh, didn't just won the SEC. Okay, not not stunning because like I, I I really liked him com- coming in and everybody was talking about you know about Sark and and about how how well those two were going to work together. So okay, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, and um, of those the Heisman winners that you can kind of remember, uh, you know, talking Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, only the the two Bama guys would not be transfers. Uh, the following two, Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler's backup, um, who actually, yeah, Spencer Rattler is at the other USC. He, he is, he is now at Southern, at, uh, South Carolina. They basically, during the Lincoln Riley breakup, the two quarterbacks went to the USC's. I've never actually realized this. Uh, Caleb Williams went to USC, Southern California, and Spencer Rattler went to USC, South Carolina. Caleb Williams is a junior in high school right now. So he yeah, really Yeah, soon. and he's actually looking. He's between LSU and OU, and both of those would be terrible choices. <laughs> I wish I could go tell him not to do that. But he actually follows Lincoln Riley to USC, wins the Heisman, but um, not much else. Um, and furthermore, that's going to give you three straight West Coast quarterbacks because the defending Heisman winner, and you're not going to believe this even more so, is Jaden Daniels. Oh, no, wait a minute. I, he, he had a great true freshman season. Like, he, he's been really good at Arizona State. So, Jake the Snake Plummer didn't win the Heisman Trophy at Arizona State, but Jaden Daniels did? Well, buddy, really strap in for this one. He won it at LSU for Brian Kelly. Huh. Well, then. <laughs> So, yeah, Brian Kelly, actually, LSU's defense is a complete shell of itself. It's horrible. Uh, LSU has had the two worst defenses in school history uh, really? since the 2019 team. But they have also had the two best quarterbacks by a mile and actually have won two Heisman trophies. Wait a minute. How is that possible, though? Because does he take a redshirt year or, or something like that? Like, how does he get a fifth year of eligibility to be able to play in 2023? I'm so glad you asked, Connor. Every single college football player got a free uh, year of eligibility in 2020 when the NCAA literally said this year doesn't count. And so when that happened, oh. now we have lots of grown men, even in 2024, who got to feast off of this year. So there's a guy at Miami who's on his ninth year of eligibility. We fully <laughs> have grown men playing college football right now. That sounds fun. Okay. Yep. A lot, of, a lot of interesting wrinkles. I don't know if I can fully wrap my head around what college football is in the mid-2020s, but... Sounds like a wild, wild sport and a, and a fun time to be consuming it, it, at least if you can keep everything straight. But man, there are a lot of moving pieces, it sounds like, even more than right now. Yes, and I'll just give you a couple things to keep you warm that you can count on. Um, Iowa is still looking for a quarterback. Okay, I believe that. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Tough. They've yet to play. 
Hmm? It's been tough in the post CJ Beathard era at Iowa. That makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, they're going to be screaming for CJ Beathard. They have yet to play a single offense. Um, yeah, I mean, again, Ryan Day still has not won. Uh, Notre Dame's still pretty terrible in big games, albeit not with Brian Kelly. Um, and outside of like basically Clemson just got replaced by Georgia. And the top four teams have been pretty similar every year. This year we got Texas and Washington, like I said. And but before that it was SE teams smoking everyone. But this year actually the streak was broken. A Big Ten team won, and uh, it was pretty shocking for us because it went from Alabama to Georgia. LSU was in there, you know. But yeah, we're really we're looking at a whole new world, Connor. Wow, sounds like it. Mm-hmm. All right, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. That was fun. Uh, back to twenty twenty four, Connor. 34-year-old Connor, soon to be 34-year-old Connor. That's really depressing to say out loud. Um, hopefully nobody found that too cringe or anything like that. Obviously, like we're just we're, we're having a little bit of fun here. Um, mm-hmm. but it's it is a good reminder. The reason why I wanted to do this exercise is because I think so many things have changed in the last four four plus years. And it's yep. so hard to fathom that sometimes because we talk about this year-round, and I'm even a bit immune to it at certain points of like how drastically we talk about you know, how drastically the conversations have changed around coaches, programs, players, like all of those different things. And so sometimes it's good to just hit that reset button and go back to where you were at a specific moment in time. And it gives you definitely a greater appreciation for that change. God, there's been a lot of change in the sport, man. There's been so much. It's crazy. Yeah. As I look at this article on January 4th of this year, I actually think that Matt Campbell is going to move into the top 10 longest tenured coaches coaching right now. Is that right? Golly, because he's been, yeah. mm-hmm. man, he's, 2016 was his first year, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. That Yeah, that would definitely put him up there. Scott, I mean, yeah. especially, like, are you talking top 10 in FBS or top 10 power five? Core five. Uh, let's see. This is just overall, it looks like, yeah, this is Miami, Ohio's in here. <laughs> That's bananas. Absolutely bananas. Yes. All right, let's kick it to George Somerville. Like I said, fun conversation with someone who has just a very different perspective Uh, than any guests that we have ever had on. So here's George. I'm now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is George Somerville, co-host of the College Chaps podcast, the UK's go-to pod for all things college football. And that is UK's in United Kingdom, which look, uh, a lot of times on the show, if we're saying UK, it's, it's related to Kentucky. George, I got to start with the story of, of kind of how, how we met and the, the, the background that I had of you was so minimal at the time when you approached me at ICC Media Days. You came up to me and you're like, you know, hey, I, I host a college football podcast in the UK. And I heard it probably a little bit sleep deprived and I heard it too quickly. And I thought to myself, did he say like I host a college football podcast at Kentucky? And that was the only thing that I could process. <laughs> and it took me a few seconds to connect the dots that you're talking about. No, no, no. Like United Kingdom. I'm hosting a college football podcast. That's what that's what I've been doing. Um, and you were you were, you know, gracious enough to to have me on your show and just was was a really cool experience and made me develop a new appreciation for this sport and the fact that that it, it does have fans that are not just in the United States and, and living and dying with it. So I, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And you 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 getting to go to SEC Media Days and be there, I just thought that was absolutely awesome. Well, first of all, hi, Connor, and thank you very much for asking me. And and you're right. Um, I very quickly realised when I was 
you know, sending invites to people to say, would you like to come onto a UK podcast? And they're like, I don't want to come into a Kentucky podcast, you know, and very quickly, you know, you're like, you had to, so now it's United Kingdom. Um, it, no, it, it's awesome to to come and talk to you again. You, you're right, you were very gracious to come and speak to, speak to us uh, at the tail end of last year. And, you know, the whole SEC Media Days was just, Oh, it's just incredible. I'm I'm still kind of rejoicing in all that happened during that week because, as you know, that was a really exciting week for me. And I had, um, I mean, we'll, we'll obviously go on and talk about how I started out with college football, but you know, I'd watched SEC Media Days from afar, right? I mean, you you know, it's on the SEC Network and. Um, through um, Phil Means Are Fair, we, we get the SEC network here from time to time. And, I, you know, I would sit and watch uh, uh, at home here. I would uh, have it on the TV while, while I was working. And it just looked this, this amazing experience. And then, you know, writing about college football and then subsequently the podcast, we started to make inquiries as to whether we could actually go to um, SEC Media Days and uh, you, you probably know this but the people at the SEC are just just incredible human beings right and um, and then it became a reality um, a more difficult reality than I had first anticipated but but still a reality and, and that's how I ended up in Nashville last year and, and, and that was just a fantastic experience as I say I'm still I'm still I still got a big smile on my face from that you're like chopping it up with Marty McGee, and I mean, you 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 made the rounds. Like it's it's kind. Of, I, I bet it was surreal to kind of go through it and, and experience these. Like you know, we talk about having like a two D relationship with with something, and, and to all of a sudden, like to, to be there, something that that has probably felt at times so far away, and to be kind of in the thick of it, like that. You 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 made your presence felt, which was so cool. And like I talked to so many people, like have you have you met like George yet? And and it was it was just awesome to see. And I was like, dang, like. Man, this sport could do some really cool things in the way that you know the the this conference I feel like opens itself up to so many people uh, that that aren't necessarily you know true blue uh, like I didn't grow up in in the SEC which we yeah. talk about ad nauseum on the show but like I just thought that was the coolest thing to be able to see you interact with with people like that and we'll get to your relationship with Laura Rutledge as well later. I mean the the whole. The whole thing right I mean I love the SEC and you know I, I guess. People go, yeah, yeah, you love the SEC, right? You're from Scotland. How how on earth can you you love SEC football, right? But once you and I think everybody, everyone appreciates this when you when you get into the sport and you understand the traditions and the histories and the rivalries and the just the passion and the pomp and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. It's so easy to 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 just fall in love with it. So you know, I think to to go, I'd, I'd been to, I guess I call it SEC land. I'd, I've, I've been to the States a, a lot. I'm very fortunate. Um, and uh, I travel to the States a lot. And, um, you know, once I got down into the South, I was like, well, this is this is quite quite something. So, um, and you just get gripped by um, SEC football. And, and you know, let, let's not beat about the bush. It, it, it's the, it, If you're looking for college football, and, and I would argue any football in the States, the passion that comes from the SEC is, is match nowhere else, frankly. And I think I said this when I was over in Nashville. You know, I come from Glasgow in Scotland, and I don't know how many people um, familiar with you know, Rangers and Celtic. It's a hugely passionate um, uh, soccer game. It's a hugely passionate soccer game. Um, and um, so I grew up with 
the I grew up with the rivalry and the and and everything goes with that. And and you know, people will talk about that being the you know, the, the, the number one rivalry in sports, if you like. It wasn't until I got across to the SEC that you I, for the first time ever I found something that matched that. And I was like, wow, this is this is quite this is quite something. So yeah, to get to to get to Nashville um, and to, you know to meet the commissioner, find out the commissioner listens to our podcast, um, which awesome. was uh, which was which was quite something, right? Um, and um, you know, I, I, and that kickstarted it, right? After that, it was it was meeting people, and you know, I, there was no point in me coming across and you know hiding in the corner. Um, and and you know, part 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 of the job I think I had that week was to. Um, was to let people know that there is a fan base and, and a, a growing and quite large fan base outside of the continental US. So I think um, I, I felt as if, and, and I, I believe, not what's drawn on about it, but I believe I was the first international you know, media person to, to attend SEC Media Days. I know there's interest from outside the States, from Mexico and the like, but I think I was the first one to put boots on the ground. So that was pretty cool. But, but yeah, and everyone, listen, the thing about South is everyone's so welcoming. Right, everyone is just, you know, the the hands are out and they, they welcome you and and um, it, it was a fantastic experience. Did we get you on fine bomb yet? Has that box been checked? That 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 box has not been checked, right? And um, you know, we we had we had Marty Smith on uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, and we've been asking Marty for a while. Ryan's been on a couple of times now. Uh, we have not, we've made touch with Paul, but he's a busy man. Right, he is a very busy man, and I dare I say it's somewhat still skeptical about a United Kingdom podcast. But we'll win him round at some point, and um, uh, we'll have him on it. Um, yeah, we, we listen. We've been very privileged to have incredible guests on the podcast, um, and the, we, when we, there's, there's, there's three of us. For those who haven't listened to us, there's, there's three of us. We come from different parts of the UK, and. Um, Sometimes we just sit down and we we laugh a lot about how just how many guests that we've had come to us. Um, you know, Tom Rinaldi, Vern Lundquist, Dabo Swinney. You know, what I mean, it's just unbelievable, really. Um, but the uh, people in the south have been very gracious with their time, and um, yeah, Paul's still up there. So if uh, I know I know you're a regular on the show, Connor. So if you want to put in a good word for us. That's done and done. We'll we'll make that happen. We'll, we'll get that to happen at some point this uh, this off season. So so let's go back to to, to your origins of, of 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 deciding I I want to get into SEC football because growing up in Scotland, I can't imagine that all of a sudden like you're walking around and you see people that are talking about this or you know even if you try and consume any sort of media, it's just not part of it. And I think that's such a difficult thing is to even even as someone who like I live in Florida and it's difficult for me sometimes to consume Chicago related things in the way that people that still live there do. And obviously the Internet helps a lot of that stuff. But how did you get into this sport and decide that this was something that you were so passionate about that you could make a career doing this? Yeah, I mean, so like most people outside the UK, you get into football um, via the NFL. Right. And um as I say, I've been really, really fortunate. I've been traveling to the States for 30, 30 something years. Um, I had friends over there to begin with, and 
Uh, it's funny, we were just, just talking about this at the weekend. Uh, first game, I'm going to show my age now, right? But the first game that we went to, we were in San Diego and we went to the Colts and it was the old Qualcomm Stadium. Um, and um, it was the year that Peyton Manning made his debut. He was in his rookie year um, for the Colts. Oh, yeah. And they played the, they played the Chargers. Um, and uh, the quarterback for the Chargers that Saturday, Sunday uh, afternoon was uh, was Jim Harbaugh. Um I uh, didn't realise it at the time, but uh, he went on to bigger and better things. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I didn't understand it. Right, great, great afternoon now. Um, you know, beers, hot dogs, the full, the full thing. Uh, it, you know, going going back and forward a little bit, and you're right, it, very difficult con- to consume at home because um, I think in the in the 80s, we started to get, you know, the Chicago Bears, we, we started to get some uh, football on, you know, highlights and stuff like that. So, you know, big fan base, Bears, Dolphins, um, 49ers, that, that kind of stuff. And then we started to get the NFL games in London. Um, and I don't know how, how much exposure you get to that, but that is, that's huge, right? Those, those, those games sell out in, in no time at all. And now, you know, they're going to different parts of the world. You know, Spain's just been announced and Germany's in, Incredibly popular in all these good places. So I guess we've been part of that rollout of the NFL. So, and then um, there's a there's a kind of logical evolution. Where where did the players come from? How does this work? And uh, there was uh, I was in the, I was in the states on vacation, and uh, there was a college football game on the telly. I, I think it was I think it was USC, uh, and I could not gra- get my head round that number of people watching university football, right? I played soccer at university. There's more people on this podcast than there was watching that game when I played soccer at university, right? Um, and uh, so to see 100,000 people in the stadium is is beyond reality. So, you know, just chatting to people and all that kind of stuff. And then there's like a bit of a funny story that I think on one of my vacations, um, I don't know how I'd managed to acquire a... Uh, a, a jersey and it turned out to be a Michigan jersey and it just so happened that I was at the airport waiting to come home and it had been the weekend that Michigan played Notre Dame Notre Dame had won um, fighting Irish um, fan and decided to come up and tell me just how much Michigan sucked uh, and I was completely unaware and oblivious to what was going on but I guess it just fuels your your interest and your, your intrigue for it all and then you know through time um, you start to understand the rivalries and, uh, and the history of the game, right? Because the NFL is relatively new, and I put that in quotation marks, but, you know, college football has been played for over 100 years. So you start to pick it up. It wasn't really until I, 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 I start, started writing about college football, uh, what were we, 2024, probably <clears throat> 2016, 2017, but I was in, I was in the South in 2015, um and um that was my first visit to Tuscaloosa uh, just doing a kind of a, a tour of the of of the southern states um first game first college football game was actually in the superdome uh, Tulane played Tulsa that was my introduction to football um uh, college football in the states um but then after that uh, I, I I went to Oxford I had my first um, my induction to tailgating in Oxford 
Um, uh, that's and, a good uh, place to get started, man. That was a pretty good. I mean, I didn't place. know. I didn't know at the time, but that was a pretty decent place to start. Um, I can't remember who Ole Miss played. Uh, I do remember I met Juice McAllister, but I don't remember um, who they were playing. Um, and then the following week, Ole Miss went into Bryant Denny. That was twenty fifteen, if you recall, um, and uh, yep. recorded quite what was a famous um, victory. So my my start to I wasn't quite entirely sure that I was going to be following the Crimson Tide at that point, but my start to that fandom wasn't wasn't the best. Um, but again, an awesome experience. Um, and I have to say, at that point, I was thoroughly hooked. Absolutely hooked. Um, and I couldn't wait to go back. And I've been back a few times since then, but... Um, yeah, just getting into the heart of SEC land, and and since then, you know, I've I've, I've toured round about. I haven't managed to get to games, but you know, I've, I've toured through uh, Baton Rouge, and you know, all all the kind of real mainstays of the of the South, and um, uh, been to a few more games. at uh, twenty nine. My 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 track record with Mister Marler is has has kindly said to me that I should never go to Bryant Denny again because I, I was at the 2019 LSU Bama game, um, which uh, which again did not end well for those wearing crimson. Um, but, you know, talk about talk about an amazing atmosphere in that stadium that day. I mean, that was like nothing I've experienced before. Little did you know, a lot of other people listening to this said, George, I will finance your trips to be able to go to Alabama every single Saturday <laughs> and just make it happen. Uh, they'll, they'll do it. Trust me. Like God, the, the, they will pay in this NIL world. If they knew they had a bad luck charm, buddy, they, they'd get you out of plane first class and sit in pretty front row and make that happen. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm spying, I'm spying the LSU Alabama game um, this, uh, this, this fall. So, do you know what? I mean, I'm happy to become the bad luck charm. To... <laughs> there you go. There you go, man. What would you say the college football vibe is is like on, on a given fall Saturday where you are? It, do, you, do you see fandom? It, do you feel like you're kind of like, you know, you're isolated with it? Or is it something where you can actually like there are, there are places that, that you go where you know that college football is going to be consumed? <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, it's building, Connor, to be perfectly honest, right? Um, and we've seen that in the interaction we get with the podcast and, you know, the writing and stuff like that. And one thing I should have said was that, you know, when you get that logical step back from the the, the NFL, the first, the first logical step back is the draft. Um, and the draft is incredibly popular here. I mean, insanely popular. Uh, you know, people have draft parties and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I, th- I think, I think you know, people get start to get familiar with where the the players have come from. And I think the vast majority of NFL fans probably have stopped at that in the past. But now um, we really see the interest in the college game. Um, Skyrocketing. What was interesting was last season um, the the television rights fell away. Um, so up until that point, um, via a variety of providers in the UK, you could start watching. Well, you'd watch game day at twelve pm our time. Um, sorry, two pm our time. That would take you up to the first kickoff, um, which would be the early kickoff for you guys. Then you would get a choice of one, two, or three games for. You know that, and then there would be you know the next game would start what one a.m. our time, and then if you're a real hardcore, you watch the West Coast, which is kicking off at you know like four or five a.m. Sunday morning, right? 
So yep. at any one time, you've got a minimum of three games. Sometimes you've maybe got you know five or six games to to choose from, all dependent on who the the network provider is. Those those rights fell away last season, and that was when we really saw the power of the college football fan in the UK because the outcry was really very loud, and and they heard it. I mean, we we talked to Greg Sankey about it. Um, they heard it all the way from you know the UK uh, um, uh, back to back to the US. But to answer your question, um, yeah. So first of all, there are various different alumni groups um, about the the country. I can only speak about. I, I you know if there's anyone from Europe listening to this, they'll they'll shout at me. But there are there are pockets elsewhere. No question about that. But in the UK, there's different. You know, um, you know, Michigan, Georgia, um, uh, Notre Dame, uh, very prominent in in London, um, uh, and there are pockets about, um, and and it's it's all a little informal. Sorry, they're quite formal groups. The rest are a little informal. They're kind of spread about. But I was in a bar. I was down in London. I I, I typically work in London, and uh, I was down last week, uh, and I was in a bar which um, shows uh, college football on a on a Saturday um, and it was it was pretty cool because they had all the flags and banners for each of the fan bases that had been in so you know Georgia Tennessee the big big London Tennessee Vols um, uh, following so shout out to them uh, big a huge Georgia um, uh, alumni in, in, in London as well so, you know maybe that surprises people um, so it was pretty cool, you know, and and the bar was was pretty large, and it was just decorated with all the different flags. So, and then we, you know, with the podcast, we speak to different, you know, there's some, you know, uh, apparel retailers, and and they 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 would have started off independence. They would start off selling, you know, NFL shirts and hats and all that kind of stuff. Now the demand for college stuff is just through the roof. So I think people are. I don't want to say I'm a I'm a I'm a you know a leader in all of this, but I think people are now enjoying the same journey that I enjoyed, which is once you do progress that way, which I think is the fairly well worn, and then you know a lot of people go to the states on 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 vacation, right? So Florida being a you know a, a big destination, once you're out there, and you know maybe maybe it's football season, maybe it's baseball season, you, you know, once people are there, they just you know they, they they catch the bug and you're not you're not you're not getting rid of it frankly so now we really are i, I would call it an explosion now um and we talked to we talked to commissioner sankey about an sec team, team coming over to ireland um because as you probably know um the college football classic um has been revived um uh, this year it's um florida state and georgia tech um so we're going across to at the, the I, I write for the the touchdown. Um, so the touchdown we're going across and um, uh, we're going to we're going to cover we're going to cover that. Um, talk to Commissioner Sankey about an SEC team. Um, he says that they have that conversation every year, um, and it's all about scheduling. Um, so if they can find something that works in the schedule, now we all appreciate that's going to be quite difficult, to be honest. Um, and the fan bases are difficult also, right? I mean, it's always been the case. The Packers were the last NFL team to come to London. And that was because they just couldn't work it out with the fan base um, because you're, you're effectively giving up a home fixtures to, to come across. So it's very difficult logistically to, to sort it out. Some teams, you know, are quite happy to, to, to come across, but it, but it becomes quite difficult. Uh, but there is... 
I, I, I can, I can confidently call an explosion now in the interest in um, college football. So you will, you will see far more interaction from, um, you know, United Kingdom fans than, than you've ever seen before. I, I think that that is such a cool opportunity, and the fact that you know it comes week zero, and we we see Notre Dame get to play in that game this past year, and. Northwestern and Nebraska played in this game. They ran out. They had free beer going. Like it, it, it looked like a scene, and it looked incredible. And I went to. I was in Dublin a couple years after Penn State opened the season, opened uh-huh. the 2014 season against UCF, and I went to some of the same places that Penn State was at and heard like a couple of different James Franklin stories. They were just like, this guy's really weird. <laughs> um, but overall, everything that I heard from this is like gosh, why don't more teams want to do this? More teams should want to do this. And you look at the SEC schedules and you realize it's tough. Fitting uh-huh. fitting in a game like that when all these athletic directors are like, let me schedule these games 10 years in advance. Yeah. I hate that. I like I hate that because it doesn't open up for, for opportunities like this. And it feels like there are, especially as you talk about with the sport growing so much internationally, it should be embraced by the SEC. And I would love to see a matchup like that, even if it was two SEC teams, I don't care. I don't care. And I realize that there's the home revenue part of this and that complicates things, but man, it just feels like the SEC, the, that, that would translate so well to having a, a game in Ireland or, or anywhere really in the UK would be an awesome opportunity. Yeah. Without, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, it, it, const, constantly the biggest gripe from the NFL fan is that they're giving up a home game. Um, you know the, the the Jacksonville Jags effectively have all all but decamped to London, right? I mean they they signed a what was a ten year deal and is is being extended. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about them moving. And I know that's not what we're talking about here, but you know the big gripe when we speak to you know Jags fans when they come across is they're having to lose a game. Now you take that to a much more seasoned fan base like the Bears or the Packers or, you know, whoever it might be, and then it becomes a lot a lot harder. So you can just imagine a Tennessee fan base, um, you know, or a Florida fan base or a Georgia fan base saying, Oh, listen, we're not giving up a home game to go to you know, go to go to London. Now the thing is when when the fan bases I don't know how well this translates for college football, but when the fan bases come across, they love it. Um, we've got season tickets at Tottenham, uh, and our season tickets actually sit in amongst the. Um, a, I don't know how we manage this, but our season tickets are amongst the friends and family of the team. Uh, they love it. I mean, coming across. Um, I don't think it's. They, they talk about it being similar to Super Bowl. I don't think that's the case. Right? I think that's just hyperbole. But but I can understand it. You're in London. There's a lot going on. They put a lot of events on for you. Um, you're welcomed. All that kind of stuff. I can see where it's pretty, you know, um, into- intoxicating. You'd have to get a team across here. It'll be interesting. Georgia Tech coming across um, and Florida State, actually. You know, they're, they're the closest uh, geographically that we've probably had for a little while now. Um, I think Florida State have been before. So, you know, again, I don't know whether, you know, one starts to filter back. But, you know, as I say, we spoke to Commissioner Sankey and, and he said it's on the radar. But I, I think it's, I, th- I think you have to see that kind of, for me, that step-on-step growth for the teams to sit back and go, well, hang on a second, there might be an opportunity here. You know, for years now, when we contact the various different SIDs to see if we can speak to someone at the schools for the podcast, you know, we talk about the opportunity and stuff like that. And, 
you know as well as I do, Connor, it is all about money. But I, I, I just don't, I don't think up until now that they see the opportunities or think the opportunity is large enough. So we'll see what happens over the next few years. But, but certainly there is, um, there is something there. But you know, in my head, I can, I can see people listening to this screaming that they, they, they do not want to come to, you know, Dublin or London or wherever it might be to, to watch a game of football. It's an eight-hour flight from where I am in Orlando. If you went and flew to the West Coast from where I am, it's like a seven-hour flight. It's yeah. really not that much different. And, like, the experience itself is – I mean, I, I always say, like, du Dublin is, is, is such a great place for an American that's maybe a little bit intimidated uh, about going overseas. You can go into a pub and hear Taylor Swift. They have a, such a great sports culture. Downtown is, like – pretty easy to navigate and and there are a lot of things working for it that would make that experience feel like man this is so cool like you can do a day trip out to you know to Galway like you you, you make a week of it and it's it's a yeah. cool thing and it's much like a bowl game and I realized that asking college football fans to continue to spend more money is a sticking point and it's a frustration but man like just sprinkling in a couple of these opportunities I think would just add to to the experience as a whole, is is it fair to, to to compare SEC football fans to European soccer fans and say like that is kind of the like it's the only comp that I can ever come up with for SEC football fans when I try and explain it to my friends from the Midwest or, or people that don't really consume college football? It's like the only two things that are truly on that level of that dedication are like European soccer fans and SEC football fans. I think that's a really good comparison. And as I, as I said before, you know, I, I got slightly distracted because my phone went off, so apologies. But, you know, like when, you know, growing up in Glasgow and having that two diametrically opposed fans, right? They hate each other. They absolutely hate each other. But then you take that into the SEC, right? You know, Alabama and Tennessee, right? You know, Florida, Georgia. They, they, I don't use the word hatred lightly, right? But but there is there's definitely a you know an intensity to that. I laugh, you know. I, I sit and watch Feinbaum, right? And you hear the fans come on, and they you know they are crazy, they're absolutely mad, but they're incredibly passionate. You take you know a Saturday afternoon phone in, you know a local radio station in Glasgow, you've got a very similar um, comparison there, right? Um, the, the other thing is the atmosphere, you, you know, having been to old firm games here, first thing when the two teams come out of the, the tunnel, that it's a wall of noise, right? The noise just comes and punches you in the face. 2019 LSU Alabama, in the afternoon, not even an evening game, in the afternoon, and that wall of noise was there. And, you know, I've seen it in other, in other games that I've been to in the SEC. Um, you know, I, my... Top of my wish list is Tiger Stadium, right? I, I need I need to go to you know Death Valley and on a Saturday night because it, it, that, that's the that's the level. So you know the the intensity is certainly there, the noise is certainly there, you know the passion, all of that kind of stuff. I think it is a very good comparison actually in in terms of what you're going to get. And and again, another reason that people um, start to follow the college game. Is that you know even if you're not an SEC fan, you want to go to for some reason, for some bizarre reason, you want to go to Big Ten, right? You go to Penn State. I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty awesome atmosphere there, right? Um, so you know, I I think you you don't necessarily get that NFL. So a lot of my friends will go to Florida, they'll go to Tampa, 
uh, go, and, go and grab a game there, go to Jacksonville, whatever, you know, Brits love Florida. I think you know that better than I do. Um, and, <laughs> uh, you know, I've been to, you know, uh, Tampa um, for, for a game, sorry. Um, and, you know, the atmosphere was, it was a game, right? You sit there and you watch a game. It was a game, yeah. There, 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 there isn't the atmosphere. You're there to watch the football. There isn't the, but, you know, you go 100 miles or so up the road to Gainesville, Wow, right? That's uh, that. That's something else. I'm sorry, I tell you a quick, a really quick story. Um, I'd always wanted to go to the swamp when I first started watching college football. Tim Tebow, whose jersey is hanging up there, um, you know that 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 was it. That was awesome. Went to went to the swamp. We, we drove into Gainesville. It was midweek. It was a, like a Wednesday afternoon, something like that. And I was like, I have to just go and see the stadium. I just want to go and see the stadium. But you know, I, I, you know, like when you go anywhere here, everything's locked up. You don't get in, in a bit, but the swamp is open, right? You walk into the swamp, it's you know, always are, open. You can just roll right in there. It's right? crazy. I thought, I thought I was, I thought I was like breaking and entering, right? You know, I was like, wow, this is really cool. So I got down, sat right at the bottom. I was in awe of, honestly, it, it was such, it was almost like cathedral, like it was really everything I wanted it to be, and that's empty, right? And I, I swear, because the photograph's up here, I'm not making this up. I'm sitting there. I'm just like in awe of the whole thing. And this this guy was running up and down the stairs. And he stops at the bottom of the stairs where I'm standing to catch a breath. And he says, you know, how are you? And it was Coach Spurrier. You could not make this up, right? You couldn't make it up. So we end up talking about golf. And he'd been to St. Andrews to play golf and stuff like that. Uh, and it was just the most amazing experience. I love telling that story because it was just, you know, what, you know, a, a Wednesday afternoon, it, you know, it was just incredible. That's a movie. That's incredible, <laughs> man. Spurrier just running up and down the stairs. Golly. Couldn't, you is, couldn't make it up. It's, you really couldn't. Oh, man. You, you've had unbelievable experiences so far. 2019 LSU-Bama game, is is that your favorite so far on a, on a college football Saturday? I think so. The, the, the other place that really, really grabbed me was Athens. I love Athens as a town. Um, it's beautiful. Oh, man, there's just so much going on there, and the people in Athens were so nice. So we were there. Very first player I interviewed, um, Rodrigo Blankenship, um, and uh, that's a good one. That's a good one, right? And 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 bizarrely, apparently Rodrigo got lots of requests. I, I got I've got to know the the team at Georgia really well, and um, Rodrigo gets tons of requests from outside the US because he's a kicker, right? Now, I would like to just put to one side the fact that you know they talk about when the NFL game kicks off the biggest cheaters for the kickoff that 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 might have been the case but it's no longer the case right but the kickers do tend to get a bit of attention so rodrigo very kindly kindly came and and chad and that 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 was that was awesome and um when um when i told him i was coming across to Athens, so it was uh it was 2019 it was georgia texas a&m it was the georgia homecoming game uh, Rodrigo was a, a senior, so it was like his um, his senior day, amongst others. I mean, that was a pretty star-studded team. Um, and uh, it was a Saturday afternoon kickoff. It had poured with rain for like eight hours. I mean, it was incredibly damp. 
And then as we got into the second half and the sun started to dip away, it was amazing sunset and, you know, Athens is just beautiful, right? And Athens just grabbed my heart. I, I absolutely loved it. So that, that, um, the atmosphere was, was pretty intense again, right? You know, despite the rain, I love it when the students just go crazy and, you know, it's pouring with rain, but, um, that was, that was a pretty good, um, experience also. Um, but, I think I think in in all honesty, it's going to be hard to beat twenty nineteen LSU Bama. I mean that that's the game of a generation, a game of a lifetime, isn't it? Right. I mean to see all of those players on the same field, and interestingly, why I went to that game, obviously because of LSU. Um, I wanted to see Tua play before he went to the NFL, and I couldn't have timed that better because if it wasn't the game after, and it might have been. Um, uh, it was certainly the game after that, the Mississippi State game, when he, he injured his hip, and that was him. That was the last game he played in uh, in college. So um, I timed that quite well. Yeah, that game was bananas. So we were that was uh, we were interestingly enough at, at a Mizzou Georgia game uh, that day, and trying to we watched it at my buddy Candler's tailgate, and we watched it uh, once we got into the stadium and everything. It was, it was surreal. The amount of talent on the field that day. It's just one of those kind of pinch yourself moments. Your experiences are you've had so many of these cool moments and I'm sure it's, it's, it's hard to kind of narrow them down sometimes, but like even just the relationships that you've been able to develop Mm -hmm. you and Laura Rutledge. I mean, like she's basically a regular on your show at this (laughs) point. And Laura's like mega star and just in, in football in general, because of all the NFL things that she does with NFL live, DSPN and whatnot. How did how did that relationship start in, in getting getting you know that that rapport with someone who has obviously just become woven into the fabric of, of mm. football in the United States? Yeah, well, I mean, everyone who knows Laura knows what a special person she is, right? She gives her time up. I don't know how she manages to give her time up. Um, the last time we had her on, I think, was just before Christmas, and uh, one one of our one of the guys, so the three of us, one of them is. Um, Actually, United Kingdom's first professional volleyball coach. Um, so Alex was um, um, doing a lot of coaching at that point. And um, so Laura came along and she said that she was applying to become the third chap. Um, so we'll see how that application goes. But um, I met Laura 2019 in Athens. Um, we'd had a really long drive into Athens. The, the, the tra- see, the roads in your part of the world are just crazy, right? And And... Georgia, the drivers are are insane, to be perfectly honest. Um, so we had a really long drive into Athens, and I was there with my brother, and um, I knew that the um, a SEC Nation, Feinbaum, they'd, they'd set it up at the library, and um, so my brother said, listen, I'm going to just chill out in the hotel, and I thought I'll go for a, a walk and see how it was going on. I, I wanted, to, wanted to catch the Feinbaum show live, and... Um, it just so happened I bumped into Laura uh, and we got chatting. And uh, it was funny because Reese had just been born. Um, she was a tiny little baby in a, in a, in a carry cot. Um, and um, as it turns out, uh, Laura's dad um, has, has Scottish roots, has, has Glaswegian roots, right? And the year before, before Reese had been born, they had all been over to, to Glasgow and the surrounding area to see where um their ancestors come from so we we just we, we just struck up a conversation about that and then she wanted to know why on earth we were you know 
watching college football, all the converse, all the, the questions you've just asked, Connor. Um, and, um, and that was it, you know, and, you know, I said about the podcast and she said, I'd love to come on the podcast. And we'd had a lot of guests up until that point. Um, but, you, I mean, you'll, you'll know, I mean, like Saturday South is huge now, right? But, you know, I don't know what it was like back in the day, but it's, it's a grind to get guests to come on, right? You spend a lot of time, line, a lot yeah. of energy. And back then we were so fortunate that people would most often, just when someone said yes, we were rejoicing, right? Um, but Laura came on, and I guess you're right. She was the first, you know, superstar guest that we uh, that we had, and um, that was awesome. And then I also met Ryan McGee. Actually, <laughs> met Ryan McGee, and um, uh, there's a really well known hamburger joint which I think is subsequently closed down. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Varsity, I think it was. Um, and, uh, ah, the Varsity. Yeah, that's yeah. an institution. Yep. So I met, met Ryan in there, and he was equally flummoxed by the fact that my accent, and I said that I loved Marty McGee. Um, so they, they came on the pod fairly quickly. And then after that, you know, once we said, oh, we've had Laura on, then that opened up a lot of doors. But she's the reason that Greg Sankey listens to the podcast, because she'd pointed him uh, in our direction. Um, she's not just a great friend, but she's an incredible advocate for us. Um, and uh, we can't ask for more than that. And you know, again, we shake our head every day that you know there's a there's a mention about us somewhere. But um, yeah, it's super cool. She's a great person, and um, yeah, it's um, it's and that was five years ago. So you know, as you say, she's wow. she's on the podcast quite often. She's the best. Absolutely awesome. I, cool. I, I've yet to hear uh, like anybody in this business that has ever said anything about Laura has, has always been glowingly positive. And I hear like a lot of negative things on the, uh, on the back end about certain people and stuff like that. And with her, it's just like, she's just, she's awesome. Just the it, nicest it, person. It, it's all it's very genuine, so unbelievably kind. incredible genuine. And, and that day she was chatting to me, there was a long line of people who wanted photographs and autographs, stuff like that. And I said, listen, Really nice to meet you. I'll, you know, I'll leave you here and enjoy the rest of your day. And she's like, "No, you just stay there. I want to hear the rest of your story." And I'm like, "Okay, right." But you know, all of these people want to see you. Yeah, very genuine uh, individual. That's for sure. Last, last thing for you. The the bucket list thing that we got to make happen for you is either a fine bomb Friday from from Baton Rouge in Death Valley. Uh, we got to get you on set for something like that, or alternatively. If we can get Mr. Sankey to be able to set up one of these Ireland games and talk some of these ADs into being able to do that, you on set, like SEC Nation is in the house. It's like a week zero game, something like that. That would be just absolutely perfect. And such a, you know, like I, I'm sure like just such a pinch yourself type type moment. Not that you need any more of those because Lord knows you've had it. It sounds like a million of them. Well, every, every, every moment's pinch myself moment. Connor, to be honest, you know, I, I I don't know if you remember, but I got the opportunity. I mean, again, my typing, my timing was was immaculate. It isn't isn't usually that good, but it was immaculate. You know, I, I got to ask Nick Saban a question in the in the big room. Um, you know, geez, talk about talk about good timing. Um, and I, I, you know, I just listen. I'm not I'm not a journalist by by trade. I'm not right. I've I've fallen into this a little bit um, through my my passion, and I do. I do really enjoy it, but some of the opportunities that have come up are just quite incredible. I, and I have to say, you know, the 
as much as there's a sadness that Nick Saban is no longer going to be coaching uh, Alabama, I can't hide my excitement, you know, that he's going to be a pundit. I mean, if he's going to be on game day, one assumes that he's going to be in, well, game day is going to be in Ireland for that for that game. So um, I can't imagine the scenes that are going to be um, there. Um, but certainly, yeah, I mean, those would be, incredible you know and I think you know when you talk about Paul Feinbaum I mean he is an institution right I mean I don't need anyone who's listening I don't need to tell anyone who's listening to that he's an institution he's almost Mr. South in that respect right and um, yeah just uh, I actually saw him and I, 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 we were going to try and catch up in Nashville and it didn't happen but um, even just see him walking walking in the hotel is like just, just Paul Feinbaum so um, yeah I, I, I love it I, I hope to be my plan is to be in Dallas this year for for media days again, um, nice. and then we'll see how um, the fixtures. Like I've got I've got the fixtures here. I'm going through them to see for because one of the thing is um, it's quite an art trying if you've got a two week break and and your games are on a Saturday. It's quite an art trying to fit as many games into that as you possibly can. So I'll just need to try and work that out because I want to get across to see some football this year. That's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Well, looking forward to, to seeing you in Dallas in, in a few months. Everybody go subscribe, College Chaps Podcast. Just such a cool perspective that, that you guys have. I'm, I'm so grateful that you guys were willing to, to have me on your show, and hopefully we can do this again sometime, man. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Connor. I appreciate that. Thanks. All right, well, jersey contest. I have an Andrew Luck jersey, as you can see right here got the official like i don't i don't know when they started doing like these fully stitched jerseys you can see the back mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if if you look really closely at the back of this jersey you can see okay. and i'm swiveling my chair and sitting in a very awkward position for the youtube audience You're like what in the world's yeah. kind of doing you can see the stitching is kind of off a little bit a little bit off in the top part of it and that leads into how i acquired this andrew luck jersey I had a buddy, Chris Stoney, who used to work at SDS, was here when Stoney. I first got here. Yeah, you know yeah. Stoney. Good dude. Great, great dude. Um, Stoney had a buddy who worked at Nike. And the first time that I went to Stoney's house here, he had this bin of jerseys. And I was like, how in the world did you acquire all these jerseys? Like jer jerseys that he was just not going to touch, not going to do anything with. He's like, my buddy at Nike will send me this jersey if it has anything wrong with it. If it mm -hmm. has like, if it's off by like a stitch this way or that way, he will send me these jerseys and usually he'll like repay him by like buying him lunch or something like that. So Stoney was like, hey, like what like, do you want? Like, do you want a jersey or, or anything that you want? And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll like give you money for it. I don't, I'm not going to like be like, hey, get me a bunch of free jerseys. I'm not going to do that. But he's like, just. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. He's like, just buy me lunch or something like that. So I was like, done, easy. And it's like at that time, 2015, fall of 2015, it's like, oh, nobody, only the Bears right now is really, really worth that investment. It's like, let me, let me get an Andrew Luck jersey. Quarterback should be around for a really long time. Should be, should be someone. Well, past Connor, you're going to continue not buying Bears jerseys oh, for the foreseeable future. Seriously. God, I so I I I love the jersey. It's it's great. It's a little bit loose, kind of in this in this collar area, and mm -hmm. 
at the time, I wondered so much why they did that. And I think that Nike made that choice because of how often football jerseys are worn with hoodies. And so there's a little bit of like a little bit more give. It kind of looks like just a little bit too loose to wear with just like a t-shirt under it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's not my favorite thing in the world, but I do, I used to have a tradition. I would wear this, this Jersey uh, when I would go to, to Indy and I would wear it so that my father-in-law wouldn't look at me like, why are you wearing, you know, an Indiana shirt or something like that? I don't want to pick you guys up anymore. Um, So I only do that. Wait, in Indianapolis? Yeah. Because he's a big Purdue guy. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Yeah. So like, you know, I'm like, if I wear like an Indiana basketball shirt or something like that, then, you know, it upsets him a little bit. This is, this is a nice neutral Jersey that anybody could get behind. And it's, it's weird because the way that Lux career ended, like it's, it's strange that I, it's not one of those cases where a guy fell out of favor with a team or anything like that because of how oddly his retirement went. But there's mm-hmm. definitely a period where I, I felt, eh, I probably don't wear this in indie for for a little bit. It's kind of like a sensitive subject of of how quickly his career ended and why he decided to do that. Um, so yeah, if I could go back and do it differently, I probably would have gotten a different jersey for the price of a lunch. I don't know who it would be now that I'm thinking back to who I was in 2015. But I guess there have been worse purchases made, but I thought I would get more use out of this than I actually did. I love Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck has been one of my favorite players. Um, he almost gives me like Luca vibes in a way. Like I've always, I've always loved him. He's always been a little bit. He's not exactly a chunk, but he's got a little bit chubby of a face. He's not he's a like a big your, boy. Yeah. He's a guy who feel like drinks a lot of milk. Shout out Candler Cook. Like he's a guy who you know probably like you know does all the science and everything. Um, I actually started to ask you uh, when the last one for me was because I was going to wear an Andrew Luck jersey. Um, and I think this all kind of dovetails together because now we can just talk about this together. Um, so I have a wildly similar story for an Andrew Luck jersey. And it, it all relates to him, you know, more or less hanging it up because he had other priorities. And that's why, you know, those jerseys were kind of, uh, they're, in weird, they're in weird space because there's, it's very rare for a quarterback to do what he did to still be at pretty near the top of his abilities to where he didn't, you didn't see him be really mortal. You didn't see him suck, but you it just ended. Um, so my Andrew Luck jersey is super um, important to me because uh, I was uh, going through some stuff at about this time last year and uh, maybe a little bit after. And I randomly, I had a podcast save that was Andrew Luck talking to Pablo Torre. Have you ever listened to this podcast? I haven't. I, I listened to the Zach Kiefer one that he did for The Athletic. That was really interesting, but I did not listen to the, the interview with Pablo. Yeah, so I I had it saved from like when he retired and it just came up in my queue randomly. I was working out and it went through why he retired. And I remember looking around in my life and being like, man, you know, my job is stressing me out. I feel like I don't have the ability to affect things and fix things that I naturally could, but I'm kind of being, uh, it's like I'm in this weird space where I'm a manager kind of in name only and I'm not really allowed to weigh in on stuff. And then I felt like in my, relationship i also felt like i was a little bit of a i hate to say like prisoner but i i didn't have control i i didn't have freedom and i remember just listening to this podcast and like just crying like in my gym and i never cry i really don't like you've never seen my career most of my friends have not seen me cry but i was just in my gym and i remember listening to andrew luck and it just completely resonated with me with him just being like 
I don't want to freaking do this anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't, my life is not fun and I've done enough to where I don't need to do this. And so I remember sitting down and just going, dude, you could walk away from everything right now. You could literally go move to Montana and never talk to any of these people again. Do you want to do that? And I was like, no. I was like, so if you don't want to do that, you know, you can. So don't sit here and be a prisoner in your own life. Don't sit here and think I got to go show up and get hit in spring training or in, in spring practices. I don't have to, I can go walk away. And, and the way that he explained it, cause he's such a smart, unique guy was just so perfect for me. It was like, I feel the same way in my career. I feel like I had, I had done a lot. We've done a lot. I'm really proud of the work that we've done. I'm really proud of the work that I had done with my day job. And I felt like if this is the end of it here, I'm happy because I've already proved it to myself and that's all that matters. And so point being, um, uh, I went through everything I went through. I locked in, I talked to my boss, I talked to Brittany. Uh, one of those situations got better, one got worse. And I, uh, my buddy that works at EA, funny enough, I'm, I'm wearing this shirt uh, that he also got me. And during the time, uh, those, those jerseys were kind of valueless because who wants an Andrew Luck jersey? And so he's, he's looking around the office, they're kind of doing a little giveaway to get rid of some stuff. And he just mails me this Andrew Luck jersey. like three or four months after my breakup. And he's like, Hey man, um, this made me think of you. And I, again, you know, got emotional just thinking about my friends and just like, that's wild. Yeah. And I, I, I just got emotional thinking about my friends and just like how I called my buddy just kind of like sad. And I was like, dude, I feel like Andrew Luck. I feel like I don't want to be here anymore. And I see it in my closet and I'm just like, it makes me happy because I think to myself at any moment I could hang this up. I, I do this every day because I want to. And I have to remind myself of that when things get hard, whenever we're going, you know, whatever it is in my personal life, my career, it's cool to think, okay, I'm not dependent on this. I have enough money saved up. I can go, if I want to go restart my life and go dig ditches, or if I want to go work in whatever industry, I can just go do it. And, and Andrew Luck getting out of that mold really made me think about that. So he's a really significant guy to me. Long story short. I've never heard that before. I feel like I've heard... I've heard a lot, a lot of stories about, you know, kind of the, your, your, like basically like how your thought process and we text a lot and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I had no idea that you were going through, that you were going through that and that like listening to someone talk about getting freedom and, and what that's like is, I mean, that, that is incredible to hear. I, I had no idea whatsoever, man. That's, that's wild. The fact that Brady sent you a, a, a luck jersey because he's not, he's not like quite, at that place at EA where he's going to like, you know, constantly give you hookups. Like don't, don't tweet at will asking for like the new copy of the college football video game. Like don't do that. Yeah. And that's why our stories with this Jersey are weirdly similar because yeah. it was a defective. It was a Jersey. Nobody wanted, but he doesn't care. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. He doesn't care about the money the NFL's making off of him. He's got his money. He's good. Yeah. And by the way, for when Will's talking about like, hey, he's like overwhelmed at like his job. He's talking about like his full time gig. He's not talking about like what he what he does here with us. No, and, South and that's night and day better. I feel like I, I really I had to talk with my boss and I told him how I felt and he agreed. And after that, you know, it all it all got sunny. And that's why when I'm on here, I'm so happy because we choose the life we lived every day. And seeing Andrew Luck made me realize we don't have to do any of this crap. We don't want to. Really, that's, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. That's, that's good stuff, man. That that those are the types of stories that I would love to be able to tell with what we're going to do with Jersey stories and uh, consider that a, a reminder to, to email me C O G A R A at Saturday down South.com C O G A R A at Saturday down South.com. I want to be able to hear stories like that and tell stories like that um, on this show. And I, I know that a lot of people have very sentimental, they have very sentimental memories of jerseys and, and what they mean to them. So would love to be able to, to get those out uh, to the world. 
little housekeeping note this week this is the only pod listening to this just hopefully you have enough that's saved up that can kind of tide you over we are not having a friday episode because i am out of town like i said mm-hmm. in indy uh the king of indy they're calling him on the streets that's his town I, I won't go that far. I have never had residency in mm-hmm. Indianapolis itself. I've worked in Indy. I've spent plenty of time in Indy. I've long been in Indy stand as a mm-hmm. host of big time, big time events. But I don't think I could be considered the king of Indy if I've never lived there. I don't think that's If fair. you pull up in the basketball court set up in the airport, what's your move? I was never a between the legs guy in a game. So I feel like doing that in that atmosphere wouldn't necessarily be fair. But do you check in? Do you say, I got, you know, you're wearing your luck jersey. You're not in business cash. I mean, do you do you start to get a run in or you just keep pushing? I'm pulling up from three. Yep. Top of the key. Mm-hmm. Give me one shot. If it goes in, it's meant to be. That's a walk off. If not, I'm putting my head down. I'm keeping it moving. Lauren, the entire time that's happening is putting her head down and keeping it moving. Claire also probably doing the same. Lauren's dad just circling in the pickup line while you're just draining threes. <laughs> I got hot, man. Sorry. Look, shoot or shoot. That's a law. All right. Can't break that. Especially in India. I'm trying to pay all respect. All right. Exactly. Exactly. 49 states. It's just basketball. That's what they say. That is mm-hmm. what they say. All right. Leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can watch every episode of the Started Down South podcast. Follow us on the app, formerly known as Twitter, at the SDS pod, at Sat Down South, at CJ Guerra, at Go So Hard. Thanks, guys. Talk soon.